A good Friday morning to you on this edition of uh, Real Talk. It is May 7th. I am Ryan Jesperson. I am hanging out appropriately distanced through plexiglass with the show's producer, Sarah Hoyle's technical producer, Samuel G. Brooks. A good Friday morning officially to both of you. Hey. How's everybody you. feeling today? I am feeling good. I, it's it's raining here, and I'm loving it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same place. I'm very much relishing the rain right now. Everybody's everybody's big on the rain right now. I was, uh, uh, you know, we have a, a deal with our partners at uh, Bitcoin Well, which means I'm not technically supposed to talk about Eden Landscaping first, except to say Eden Landscaping well, has already- been on my brain. They've been on my brain be- because my my lawn looks our lawn looks so bad right now and and i've actually just decided that this is this well and i like how i say i walk with swagger like this when i'm by myself when we're not in our family when i'm like i have decided that's not how it works in the house but um i i am i am uh making a compelling argument to pitch to my wife carrie that this is the summer that we go with the fake turf in the backyard Ooh. yeah oh i can tell sarah hoyles can't even handle this we better get oh. into it in just a second let me let me start let me start by reminding you that the show is presented by the team at bitcoin well if you have questions about crypto i'm telling you so we got all these group chats and whatsapps and all these things going on right now and it seems to me in our circle of friends all the fellas are buzzing about crypto and they're trying to make the right decision on them. one of my buddies says the other day well yeah i know Do- dogecoin started as a joke but people are still making money on it another guy goes yeah man people made money on a lot of things like gamestop a lot of other people got screwed over they're like what? they're looking for details you got a little clarification. You want to see the forest for the trees? Bitcoin Well is the source for that. Locally owned out of Edmonton. Gwen Public this year. We'll keep you posted on that. You'll find them under the Sponsors tab at RyanJesperson.com. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. So I kind of, you, I can tell you what what I think is happening right now. Uh, as as Sarah Hoyles uh, gets to know the team, and the team gets to know Sarah Hoyles in this her second week of employ with Relay Media's flagship program, uh, Real Talk. I I sense you're immediately dismayed at the idea of fake turf in a yard. Number number, two, these are my assumptions. Number two, um, you're, you're, you're not quite sure how to approach this because we're mentioning a sponsor and, and this could be a contentious topic. And you're, of course, you know, like the rest of us, we don't want to offend anybody that's just sunk 10 or 15 grand into their their fake grass. And, and, and finally, when it all comes down to it, you wonder if I'm just poking the hive and if I actually mean what I'm saying. Am, am, am I interpreting all of these things in your in your eye contact and facial expressions? Uh, check, uh, check and uh, check. <laughs> Check. Yeah, I don't know if I really mean it, but I'm uh, first of all, there's a couple houses in our neighborhood that have the fake turf, whatever you call it. I'm sure it's not called fake. Uh, AstroTurf? It, it, well, or well, is Astro, that a brand? I think AstroTurf, AstroTurf is, is a brand. And it's yeah, and yeah. it's also it's kind of they're kind of like the OGs, right? It's but like I, Band-Aid or Kleenex. Jet ski, all the yeah. things that we, you know, uh, Google, um, PayPal. Hey, how about PayPal? More on that maybe later. Uh, maybe, maybe later. Um <laughs> It's it's just such a shame to see some people deplatformed. Um, you know when you've walked a mile in those shoes, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, people are going. What the hell is he talking about? They're Re- madly going to their Google. They're going to their Google. <laughs> Rebel Media is, is off PayPal. Yeah. The, the PayPal says beat it. And Ezra Levant, one of the co-founders of Rebel Media, says this, this is is going to bloody us. It could bring us to our knees. And everybody went, aww. Um, I mean, who who will, pu- who will who will who will push Islamophobia in Canada if Rebel Media doesn't have their 
their platform. You know, how, how you know how are they going to be able to 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 milk the pensions of all of Canada's seniors if they don't have PayPal to do it? So in such fluid fashion. Um, but I see these houses in the neighborhood that have the the artificial turf, mm. and and first of all, right now at this time of year, just looks unbelievable. Um, and, and so I'm sort of thinking of the pros and cons. Every single year, I'm doing the power raking, the seeding, the the new soil on top. You got to water it every day. Hopefully, the seed comes up in six weeks. In the meantime, dogs are running through. It's just getting demolished. Twice in six years, we've resotted. Twice in six years, there's drainage problems, there's issues, and I'm just looking at it. This is all bringing it back to the fact that it's raining and everybody's happy about you know the green grass and the trees, the buds that are going to come out in our neck of the woods. But I thought this year might be the year we do it. It might be the year we do it. Well, a few things on that would be that, I mean, I'm all for landscaping. It's just a matter of what landscaping are we talking about? Let's talk specifically about fake turf. Well, fake turf. Your face twisted as soon as I said it. Did it? Yeah. Did it? Is it do, you have an, do you have an inherent problem with it or could you open your mind to it? Some people it would be a non-starter, you know? Well, I, ju- I just feel like um, it looks okay the first couple of years. And then some people just kind of uh, see or use it as like a... Oh, you know, we've uh, we don't need to do anything. We don't need to be any maintenance, and I feel like that's not accurate. So it kind of looks like worn out carpet. If yeah, you and it gets like it. bunchy and things. I mean, nature will find a way. So nature yeah. will then start poking through. That's true. Um, so for me, I feel like landscaping. When we talk about, oh, I don't want to have to do all this work and this seeding and this watering and this mowing. It's like, okay. <laughs> Uh, somebody in you on our live chat said we need to get a tree in the studio because yeah. Sarah needs to hug it once in a while. I well, like that. I think that was Lauren that said that. That was yeah. a comment that made me laugh for about three I, days. Yeah, me too. And I was like, I got to find a tree and I'm, I got to bring it in here because and this is where I'm going to pull. I'm going to like if that tree was here, I would be hugging it and hugging it hard. Yeah, because for me, the uh, that was very passionate. <laughs> Get in here. Let me tell you I'm what gonna I would, hug Let you. me tell you what I do with that tree. <laughs> so the whole thing is is lawns are uh, monoculture. They do not, and I mean turf is also this. Um, well, there's no culture. It's like devoid, and so we're not actually promoting you know butterflies, bees, all the little creatures that we love and we love to see, and actually help with pollination. So to me. I say, yeah, rip up that front lawn, Ryan, rip it up and then put in, put in a diverse, beautiful front lawn. And then not only that, you will win every year for best front lawn. Yeah. I'm front, I'm, front yard. I'm, 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 I'm kind of more, to be honest with you, I'd, I'd rather keep the front lawn as it is. Front mm. lawn's fine. The dogs aren't on, on the front lawn. It gets an okay amount of sun. It's fine. I like real grass. I like mowing the lawn. I mean, now people, are, you know, we're going to get into all kinds of my my street is an is is a an amazing sort of like cross section. You can mm. the, there's the guy like one of my neighbors, Ron, who's just wonderful. And he's got one of the sort of the, you know, the push things that just have the whirly blades. That's like, what I have. Whatever yep. you call it. Like <laughs> it's it, a push mower. Like if I just it, it's a push mower. Yeah. Um, but they're all kind of technically push mowers in the sense that what I want is, is like. And I'm saying this as a term of endearment, not, you know, but like a hippie mower. Everybody knows. What Absolutely. A hundred percent. Like a hippie mower, you know, but like, that's a good thing. I think it's great. And like, nobody cares about his lawn more than Ron. Ron, like he like, he like 
curates and like cultivates and, yeah. and does all the great things. And then you've got the big like, you know, like the like yeah. I love and and some people aren't going to love this. Uh, you know, the other day when I was like, you know, what's what's wrong with, uh, you know, what are, what are the things called that I, I, I'm drawing like the absolute blank, but like the two stroke gas powered, like just the blowers that people use for like leaf oh, blowers yeah, like and the snow that use yeah. the backpack a, blowers at 7 a.m. Yeah. and you wake up. It's always done. at 7 a.m. Um, and, and, and they're always you're always just the thing that I think about. Uh, we have a guest on. I got to get moving here. But <laughs> but this is the thing that blows my mind about the the blowers, no pun intended, is is that you're, you're literally in front of everybody brazenly making so much noise, just making the problem someone else's problem. Yeah, exactly. All Put you're over doing here. is just blowing it over to just make it somebody else's problem, which I just think is so funny. Now, now see, I okay, I I have to I I have to jump in here just just on a quick. Wow, my camera angle's a little weird right now. That's fine. Um, I I I'm a big fan of blowing the stuff onto the lawn so that your lawnmower picks it up and like mulches it back into okay, it. You know sure. what I mean? So okay. like you got like leaves and that kind of stuff, you blow it onto the lawn and then you mow it. Sure. People though are going to take issue with the emissions of this whole thing. Yeah. There's the noise pollution, there's the emissions. Now, I'm never going to lie to you. I've I'm I'm, I'm a, this show's called Real Talk for Pete's sake. I've told you about all the things when people are talking about, you know, off-roading in in the Kananaskis and user fees in provincial parks and they're not charging in McLean Creek. I'm going to tell you if you look on my Instagram, there's pictures of McLean Creek all over the place. That's yeah. that's my stomping grounds. I'm not going to lie to you about that. What am I doing? I'm out there. I fire up my chainsaw uh, to clean up deadfall and and get fires going. Every single time I can I love making noise I have a gas mower I have loud vehicles I'm that guy And I and a lot of people Will say like Oh you must have a small dick Like that's kind of Their their thing On people that have to have Like big trucks And loud mowers And things It's not that It's just like I have such an appreciation If you get it You get it When I say I love the smell Of exhaust I do too It's 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 right It's kind of It's like What's your favorite smells Like my favorite smells Are like fresh cut grass And gasoline It takes me back To my childhood Totally Yeah And so these are the things When you talk about Like okay I'm sick of the aesthetic Of a burned out Lousy Sparse lawn uh, So thinking about Considering about Making the move To this This impeccable Looking fake stuff But at the same time You're not gonna have like, like you know when you cut the grass and you got the lines Oh the lines And you like to think you like to dream that you could be the groundskeeper At Wrigley Field <laughs> You know what I'm talking you about you have to get the overlap just yes. right and, and, yeah. if, and if someone's lousy at it you kind of notice But you don't judge them but then when you have oh, people you judge when you have pe- Oh of course you do And then you have people over at your house and you're like hmm, But you don't want to talk about it You're just kind of like hmm, not, bad, not bad See I need to disclose that I actually did rip up my front lawn And I put in all perennials Perennials are the plants that come back every year. Yeah. Um, and I made sure I tried to get as many native plants as possible. So I'm not just, it's not just like uh, hypotheticals here. I did it because that's, I, I also was tired of, because I don't want to use pesticides. I was down on my hands and knees, like digging out dandelions. And I was like, yeah, what, why am I trying to keep this up? Like, why don't I just embrace what's naturally supposed to be here? So you let out just the dandelions, you just let them go. No, I got a sod cutter and I went and I ripped up my lawn yeah. piece by piece. Oh, I see what you're saying. The dandelions were were on the grass, not in your new beautiful perennial garden. That's right. Got it. Yeah. I yeah, and then there's and then there's and I mean, geez, we could talk about this whole show. Yeah. People that are like you know what? I mean, dandelions are great in salad and yeah. dandelion and, and this is true. And people, you know, 
And then there's the other people that are like, yeah, you freaking hippie, but you let him, <laughs> you let him go till they all go to seed and then the wind blows through and then it's my problem. You know, yeah, like, and that's what I hate. The neighborhood dynamic, right? Yeah. But then you're saying all these admirable things, which I love. Like you want to be more aware of your pesticide use or even you talking about native plants and grasses. There's a real trend there. People yeah. want to, you know, so I mean, all of the thoughtful stuff that goes into it. I love it. You know what? Screw it. I'm going to tell you about Eden Landscaping. This is not some big 15-minute intro for Eden Landscaping. No, it's not, but, actually. But, like, if, if you're Mike, who owns the company, he's a great partner of ours, and you're listening to me go on for 12 minutes about turf, you're probably going, I sure hope Jespo reminds people that at landscapeedmonton.ca right now, they can see the work that we've been doing, examples for the last 20 years or so. I was actually on their website just a couple of days ago uh, because they, we're talking about fire pit stuff too, right? Oh, yeah. Our fire pit, when it, when it gets wet, there's drainage issues in the yard. And then the, the, the lawn chairs start sinking into the sod. You know that one where you're like in the middle of a conversation, you just start to go back and then boom, <laughs> down, pipers down. If you're thinking of maybe that interlocking stone for your fire pit, or you can do really cool gravel ones as well, maybe lined with some old, uh, you know, I don't know, railway ties or some cool angle on that. Uh, Mike and the team at Eden Landscape are the ones that'll take you from dream to design, and they'll build it out for you too. It's the one-stop shop at landscapeedmonton.ca. All right, let's get into this. It's a deadly serious business. We talked about it earlier this week, the COVID-19 crisis in India over the past seven days or so. As a matter of fact, a few days long, Longer than that, the country has been averaging more than 380,000 new cases a day. In fact, COVID-19 infections have surged past 21 million. The death toll is more than 200,000 in that country alone. Doctors Without Borders is helping in India's response to the pandemic. Uh, Executive Director Joe Belavos, based out of Toronto, kind enough to join us this morning. Joe, welcome to the show. In the course of your experience in international relief work, how serious is this one? Where does this rank with some of the biggest crises you've ever seen? Hi, good morning, Ryan. Nice to be on your show, and uh, thanks, uh, thanks for the opener. Uh, it, it's it's so difficult to compare across different types of, of, of crises. Uh, many of the crises that MSF uh, or Doctors Without Borders works in are are war zones, uh, you know, natural disasters. This is a very different kind of disaster. Uh, but you you kind of you know set the tone off the top there just with the the scale of this, and you know even the I, you know I wish we could say we were at a turning point or things were looking different, but uh, as of yesterday. Uh, they broke the record again, you know, more than 400,000 cases uh, in a single day, 4,000 deaths. Uh, we're not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel just yet here. Uh, Joe, just on a technical side, we're getting some bumping on your audio, and I want to make sure people can hear you clearly. So if, if you can either adjust your microphone or even just lose the earphones, just pull out the headphones and just go normally with with whatever works. Uh, I just want to make sure that people can hear you clearly. So so as you look at this and you say it, it, it's there's there's no end in sight at this point. I mean, you're still um, in the midst of, I would imagine, assessing and, and, and determining where some of the efforts need to go. How does that process play out when you're talking about a population of more than a billion, when you're talking about many areas that lack uh, critical infrastructure, I mean, including things like oxygen? Where do you begin and, and how does this work itself out? Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's, it's just so daunting and so overwhelming. Um, where do you begin uh, as, as, a, as, a, as a single organization? Uh, you know, our effort is to work closely with the Ministry of Health. Um, what we're kind of seeing uh, really is that there are, 
you know, particular places and particular groups that are that are at high risk. Not surprisingly, uh, people living in densely populated uh, areas. So take Mumbai, for example. If you're living in a in, in one of the neighborhoods, 40% of the people in that city do live in densely populated neighborhoods, low income. Uh, you're at particularly high risk there of the of the spread. Um, we have very little uh, insight on what's happening in rural areas, um, uh, but uh, uh, also if you have pre-existing uh, health conditions, you're at, you're at higher risk. Essentially, what we're seeing, you know, what we're witnessing, and actually even what our staff themselves are are experiencing, is the overwhelming of the health system. And you know, so you you mentioned a couple of things. I mean, uh, the, the shortage of staff, the shortage of beds, uh, oxygen is a uh, you. You know, we've really we've witnessed and been next to people who probably could have been saved if they had, had oxygen. So the shortage of oxygen is a real issue. Uh, the shortage of medicines. Um, you know, if I can just expand a little bit on the on on, on the staff issue, because um, you know this we're seeing the shortage of staff for a number of different reasons. You know, the the, the scale of the of the number of patients needing help is just overwhelming. The number of staff who are there, they're also getting sick. They're also getting uh, burnt out, and this is, you know, this is something maybe listeners, especially frontline health uh, uh, worker listeners here in Canada, can really identify with. I'm just going to share with you one, one quote. Um, so this comes from from one of our staff members working in one of the facilities. Right now, it's three days, and you're burned out. Even if your shift is only six hours, those are COVID hours. It's the conditions, the sheer number of patients, and the lack of proper induction. So you can just feel, you know, how how intense this is for for health workers, uh, you know, battling this on the front line. How, Joe, how 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 does uh, Doctors Without Borders? Uh, how do you say Medicine Sans Frontières? Is that a lot of people would know it as that internationally? Is that right? Frontier, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah uh, with, with apologies for my Francais to everybody. Um, uh, so when it comes to things like vaccine rollouts or, or when it comes to, you know, frontline, uh, you know, strains on frontline medical workers, what sort of work are you able to contribute? What can people uh, better understand about what Canadians and, and what, what uh, volunteers are, are doing right now at this very minute? Right. So uh, you're, essentially we're doing two things. We're supporting supporting Ministry of Health and we're, and we're standing in solidarity. So, you know, what do I mean by that? We, we are uh, on the support side. So we're working, for example, in a thousand bed uh, facility, a makeshift hospital really that's been set up in, uh, in Mumbai. Our, our staff are describing this, it's kind of almost hard to imagine. They describe it as walking into the belly of like an ocean liner ship, just how massive that is. It's 28 wards. Uh, you know, thousand bed capacity. So, you know, we're in there, we're doing uh, patient care, we're doing triage, you know, a big part of this is just sort of uh, triaging all the different people who, who, you know, who's first, right? Who needs the help uh, right away? We're doing infection prevention and control. Um, we're also, a big part of what we're doing is the outreach. So again, going, going into those uh, communities, either directly or through telehealth uh, to, to pass health promotion messages, um, in some cases, to do also mental health support, uh, both for staff and for uh, people living in some of these communities. Uh, I'm sure, again, it's not too much of a stress to just imagine how difficult this is for families and, and individuals uh, uh, mentally. Um, you know, on that solidarity side, uh, uh, you know, a big part of this too is, is just kind of 
no single actor is going to to manage this wave. We're not going to get out of this with any kind of single push. So it's a lot of this is just standing together and being there and working with all the other actors who are present too. And I'll read you another quote because I, I found this one really powerful too on the on the level of solidarity. So we're encouraging our staff to have conversations. So to you know just to be at bedsides and, and talk to patients and, and help them through. And here's the quote. It's helped our team accept what happens to their patients. Not just that they've had the conversation, but that the patient knew what was going to happen and was in some way prepared for it. Um, and and I, I'll, I'll just talk about another quote here because I think it's also just so powerful. COVID has changed me as a person and as a doctor. I used to be very patient-centered. Now I'm scared of building relationships with patients because the because people are coming in and out so quickly. So many people are dying. It's just, it, you know, it's overwhelming. That's such a perspective check. I mean, that's we, we talked to a palliative care physician out of Toronto yesterday, and uh, and 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 just talking about the. I mean, for for to me, um, oftentimes in, in certain public service, medicine, education, and others, uh, you know, first response. Um, I, I feel like it's more of a calling, uh, certainly, than a job. Uh, most certainly, it's it's a calling and a career. And to, to I think in, in palliative care, uh, you're called to that to start with. Uh, let alone in the middle of a pandemic, let alone in a country uh, whose hospitals are bursting at the seams. And uh, I mean, you know, it's one thing, uh, Joe, to state the obvious, I don't have anything profound to offer here except to say that, you know, we get frustrated, and rightfully so. I'm not dismissing people's concerns about things like vaccine rollouts um, in Canada or availability of resources or or turnaround time for, for testing or whatever. Um, but to see Indian citizens, you know, stock by stockpiling, I mean, trying to get one or maybe two bottles of oxygen to, to hang on to in case one of their family members or friends needs it. These are private citizens um, working different channels to try to procure oxygen. It's been such a perspective check. You must I mean, this must come with the job for you. Well, that, that, you know, the way you describe that is it's really a symptom of how the, the system at large uh, is, is just being overrun and, and overwhelmed. So, of course, individuals and, and their families are doing everything they can to, you know, procure medicines and procure oxygen and, and so on. But, you know, maybe go back on the, on the vaccine. You know, you mentioned this, uh, the, the vaccine rollout issue. This is this is a real interesting one for, for India in particular. So India is at about... 10 to 12 percent of the population is, uh, has had a first dose of vaccine so far compared to, I think we're up around 30 percent or so in, uh, uh, in Canada. Uh, and the average across uh, more richer nations is around 25 percent. So they're lagging, and this is definitely part of the story. If you, if you kind of look at just how this has played out a bit, though, um, India is a, is a powerhouse of vaccine production, right? They have, uh, you know, some of the, some of the largest um, uh, production facilities in the world, and they've really taken on a role right right from the get-go, taken on a role as uh, being one of the main providers to poorer countries around the world. You know, so, so from a vac- vaccine equity perspective, this is really interesting, where you've seen a lot of the richer nations really stockpiling and, 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 and going over the top to make sure that domestic uh, populations have more than enough vaccine. And here you've had India you know, right from the get-go, sort of producing and distributing to African nations. There's no production capacity in Africa whatsoever. You know, through through this COVAX mechanism, this multilateral uh, mechanism that's intended to distribute the uh, vaccines better around the world. 
And so, you know, and then all of a sudden, just in the last uh, little while, they've had to then ban exports of vaccines because, because this wave has caught up and they realize they have a real shortage and they really do have a real domestic shortage of vaccines. But that really raises big questions, doesn't it, about vaccine production capacity around the world and distribution, how we think about the equity in terms of distribution. Yeah, Joe, I mean, if if I know anything after 20 years of interviews with executive directors and uh, of nonprofits, you're probably not going to totally love me infusing highly charged political commentary into this interview. But let me just point out that the political consequences uh, for leaders who do not uh, procure way more vaccinations than they need who do not uh, demonstrate the ability to uh, stockpiles a loaded word, but but to be able to to uh, create an inventory that would allow for rapid deployment of vaccines across the country. Uh, let me spell it out even more. So if you're Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and you know uh, that a dozen premiers are going to be taking big swings at you if they're encountering spikes in cases in their provinces and they're going to want to pin it on you because you've not been able to procure enough vaccines. If people are questioning why Canada can't manufacture its own vaccines, why Canada doesn't have better relationships with providers, why we're not where we think we should be on the global list of the big power players. We don't think we should wait in line for anybody. We look at other countries that have them quickly and we don't. And we start to overthink it and discuss it over coffees or on our chat lines. You get where I'm getting at. We know why politicians get way more than they need because it's all political. And we've been having this woven, this thread through a lot of our conversations this week, or, or for that matter, over the last year, the politics of a pandemic, and sometimes they can get in the way. Right. So, you know, as a global humanitarian organization, clearly we do have a different perspective on that. Like we're more interested in looking. Certainly we don't we don't discount that a, that a, that a politician, a domestic politician, is going to take action for its, uh, its, its home uh, population. That's that's a kind of a given, but we also take a, a more global perspective on this. And, 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 and basically what it comes down to is people who are at higher risk, risk of death, you know, those are the people wherever they are who should have access to the vaccine first. And what's actually happening, despite it, you've had uh, lots of statements from Justin Trudeau and many other politicians around the world, you know, talking about vaccine equity from months ago, the reality today is that one in four people have, have had their uh, first vaccine shot uh, in the wealthier nations, and one in 500 have had their first vaccine shot in, uh, in poorer nations, despite whether they are frontline health workers, or they are older people, or they are in higher risk situations with uh, comorbidities such as tuberculosis, etc. So I think we also have a uh, uh, a duty and an obligation to look at this uh, globally and also from a system point of view. And that's where, you know, if you look at the pharmaceutical industry and the way that the pharmaceutical industry, obviously, you know, it's highly for-profit oriented and that's how that whole industry works. But if you look at this, the example of how the vaccines were developed for COVID, massive success, you know, so fast in terms of uh, never before has a vaccine been produced uh, even close to this fast. That's great. What a success. And also uh, on the basis of huge injections of public funding towards the pharmaceutical companies to help develop those vaccines. Meanwhile, you've got Pfizer uh, reaping, I think, what did they say, $3.5 billion in the first quarter of 2021 in revenue. Uh, you know, clearly this is a, a massive profit gap, even though there's been huge amounts of public money put into finding the vaccine in the first place. So something's really broken 
in terms of how the vaccines get distributed and rolled out once they're found and, 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 and start to get produced. No kidding, Joe. I love it. You've just you, you've just in the course of, of of like one sort of statement there touched on about five things that 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 all at least to make a commitment as a as someone who facilitates public dialogue to continue to focus on him. And when we we have a lot of conversations looking ahead, right, we gaze into our crystal ball. What are some of the what will be some of the residual impacts of the pandemic? What will we still remember five or 10 or 100 years from now? Um, you know, what will change demonstrably in society, if anything at all? And and all of these types of speculative exercises and i think things like what you're talking about uh, public investment in and essentially a collective ownership of things like intellectual property or, or medical developments or research um it's interesting because it also runs parallel to storylines we see right now of governments trying to control budgets and rein in spending and some research being pulled and post-secondaries losing funding and it all weaves together, my man. That's why it's a good thing we got a two-hour talk show to sort it out every single day. I want to remind people they can check out doctorswithoutborders.ca if they'd like to learn more about the work that this group is doing, not just in India, but around the world. If you'd like to make a donation, I know many of my fellow Canadians are going to see this, and you've been following the story out of India, saying, well, what can I do? You can start there, doctorswithoutborders.ca. Uh, Joe Bellivo is their executive director. We're grateful for your time, Joe. Thank you for this. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot, Brian. You bet. Our thanks to Joe for making time for us. Uh, you can let me know what you think on the hashtag uh, Real Talk RJ, of course, is where you can find us on Twitter. And, of course, our live chat going right now uh, on this one as well. It's uh, important to us that we're not just taking a look. Sometimes, you know, we, we get so hyper focused on on our neck of the woods or where we're watching from. You know, we'll have somebody in, in from Vancouver Island or have somebody here from, you know, the East Coast or somebody down in the States. And, and we, we focus so much on what's happening here and how it impacts us. But in other parts of the world, I mean, you start seeing news footage out of India and you see the desperation in people's eyes. Hey, Sarah. And I, I mean, I just I was telling the story the other day. I think it was on the national. They had it CBC, the national. And they were they had been interviewing a cab driver who was just showing that he had a, a bottle of oxygen. He had a tank of oxygen in his trunk. And that was like his cherished. He's like, should my family or, or friend, someone close to me need it? That's like having a gold bar, you know, when all hell breaks loose, Mad Max style. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how the pandemic has kind of repositioned and kind of shifted what's important to us? I mean, it's not that long ago, about a year ago, as a matter of fact, that there was a run on toilet paper. Yeah. So, you know, something that people kind of just take for granted, no big deal. Now, now we're in search of oxygen. We need we need oxygen. These folks over in India taking to social media or like you said, the the cab driver having a bottle of oxygen in his car. Yeah. Tanya says here and that we have people here fussing over which brand of vaccine we want, says Tanya <laughs> drives me bananas. You know, and, and, and we can certainly have a lot of conversation around that. And we have Jillian says, I'm, I'm half listening to this conversation. I'm half helping out my kid with online learning right now. Um, shout out to all the parents whose morning is a little bit different this morning. Uh, if you're uh, tuning in, watching, listening to this podcast from Alberta, you know that some some measures have gone into effect that have seen all students move to online learning as of today. And and patios are going to be closing and nail salons and barber shops and, and gyms and things like that. And, and you can find all the details on the government's website. But that's a change that we're aware of. And, and we're seeing a lot of it in the letters that we're getting from you the emails that we're getting from you we're going to leave some time to get to that later today and of course you know trash talk is coming up as we wrap up today's broadcast presented by local waste talk at ryan is where you can get us there if you'd like to chime in on trash talk i wanted to remind you that the team at kubi energy right now is hiring journeyman electricians 
This could be your shot. I, I, I'm envisioning right now, I picture somebody, somebody that's maybe listening to Real Talk to the podcast while they're walking their dog or, or somebody that's driving right now just, just sort of rewound it. Wait, what? Because you're a journeyman electrician and maybe you've been a little, you've been underemployed this year, you know, like squeezing out hours when you can, or, or maybe you're unemployed. You got a lot left in you. You love what you do. You love getting up there. You've been hearing all this talk about diversification and transition, and you've been working in the oil field for years, but you know your skills can translate. Jake Kubiski that founded Kubi Energy, that's his personal and professional story. Well, this is a great opportunity for the journeyman electricians in our midst. If you know one, let them know that info at kubienergy.ca, that's K-U-B-Y, info at kubienergy.ca is where you can send your resume. If this spring into this summer is a move for you, maybe you're downsizing, upsizing, whatever the case may be, we want you to consider our friends at Alta Moving and Storage. Uh, they're a trustworthy and reliable team that takes pride in safely moving your belongings. No horror stories, just trustworthy service and dependable results, local, customizable, and comfortable. They say, let your moving horror stories stay in the past. You know exactly what we're talking about, right? The movers that don't care about your boxes clearly marked fragile or the truck idling outside your house while you, let's be honest, you're crying. You're going to miss this place. You brought your baby home to this place. Maybe, maybe you're, I don't know. Maybe your your dad built the stairwell there. Maybe you're going to remember your mom poking her head in when you were a little kid growing up in that house. Sweetheart, it's time to wake up and mow the lawn. You know, back before everybody was getting artificial grass. Alta Moving and Storage is family owned and they take great pride in the in providing a, a stress-free experience, including those pod-style moving containers. Look them up today at altastorage.ca or under the Sponsors tab at ryanjesperson.com. I'm not surprised that on our live chat, we had a ton of people chiming in on our uh, unscripted, unplanned early talk today, our out-of-the-gates talk about landscaping. Um, people should know that we, on purpose, do not discuss ahead of time what we're going to open the show with, so it's always candid and fun to listen to, but I will say that many different opinions mm. on, you know, for example, Greg says, go with gravel with native plants. That's a great move for your yard. Yeah. Right. Um, great for drainage. Great for drainage. Uh, Fatima, meantime, says you wouldn't be able to tell you like to make noise, Jespo, you know, from, <laughs> from trash talk. <laughs> Fair point. Um, people are talking about things like battery powered mowers. Yeah. Whatever. I bought an 18 volt. <laughs> I bought you're an, like, if you're going to do it. Well, I paid I paid extra <laughs> a few years ago for a battery like the 18 volt lithium battery powered trimmer, like the edger and uh, junk pure junk and i knew when to recognize my mistake and i had a buddy over that was like "Ooh," he's like how's that 18 volt lithium trimmer and i was like it sucks do you want it he's like i'll give you a case of beer for it i was like deal best deal i ever made yeah when it picked up another and i'm the guy that has the trimmer that's like you know like that kind of and then when i need it to oh baby not everybody's gonna love it i love it I'm glad that we're neighbors on the show, but not necessarily but not in, in real life. But you, but, but, but this is like, do, do you guys agree that if it's I'm not talking about like five o'clock in the morning? No, but there's something Saturday afternoon, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, totally. Sam, right. It's, it's 25 degrees. Mm. You know, there's and, and then someone fires up the gas room. And it has that, that that noise of like productivity and you can smell the fresh cut grass. Well, and, and especially the, like two stroke exhaust smells different it than does. regular exhaust. It, is I that what it is? It smells, yeah, it's, it's the two stroke. stroke yeah. yeah. 
Because that, like, there is... A, We're just this, in tandem. Yeah, it's yeah. the yeah. two-stroke. Because that, there's that, that, that very distinct smell, and it's just yeah. like... I love it. I can't explain it. I like. I just like. Oh, oh well, when we're when, when we're all, when we're allowed to do this again, we'll have like a we'll have like a staff a backyard staff meeting at our place. Okay. And and you can just you can just sit around and 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 sip on whatever you like. We'll get you a nice sparkling water. The sun hits your face, and I'll just and I'll just flex the trimmer for a little while, so everyone can <laughs> truly take in the greatness. Something doesn't track here. You're gonna you're gonna flex the trimmer yes. in your backyard yeah. that you've just converted to turf. Well, this is going to be before the turf. But okay. see, Sam, Sam, see, you're you're making a very important point, which is that I'm not pre- I, I'm I, my main hang up here is that I'm I'm not necessarily prepared to say goodbye to the joy mm. of turf mate of, of grass maintenance. You know what? You know what the most common theme is? I mean, this is not a scientific observation. It's anecdotal. But the most common theme on our live chat this morning, people are saying plant clover. Yes. Because you don't need to mow it. It just grows a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can mow it. You can mow it. But yeah. don't clover lawns, like, pardon my ignorance. This is just, like, I'm just, this is an honest question. Aren't clover lawns kind of like, when you see clover all over someone's lawn, you're like, they let it go. They got a problem. We got clover all in the lawn. It's deliberate. Like, I, I have one section of my lawn that it's, it's super shady, mm. and it's kind of mossy, and I have, like, paving stones going through it. And I've seeded a bunch of clover into there because it just kind of ground covers and it makes it. And a it's nice also like carpet. Well, it's a nice little carpet. It's also like clover's way hardier when you stomp on it too. It's just like that stuff just pops right back. But you would never, if you were talking to the the groundskeeper at Wrigley Field, or if you were talking to the greenskeeper at at uh, you know Augusta, um, and you said I'm just going to sprinkle clover all over the place, they'd probably lose their minds, right? They wouldn't sprinkle clover all over their fairways, would they? Well, but they have a they have a vested interest in having perfectly manicured looking fairways well don't right? we all well, I, mean, I mean i that, guess well and that's what we came to the right at the beginning <laughs> when sarah brought up you know seeding with natural plants and doing that kind of stuff i mean i i in my front yard for example um when i overseed bear patches i seed it with fescue because it's right uh, what's fescue fescue is a it's, it's like well, it's a, a native grass. it's a yeah. yeah it's wispy and it it drinks way less water and you yeah. can mow it uh, just like regular grass except you mow it like a third as much because it grows really slowly it's beautiful it and yeah. thick and if your golf ball winds up in fescue you're screwed it's like that thatched thick there's a course outside calgary called spear grass and if you're like you, you think you're fine because me like uh, are you a golfer or do you, do you i was enjoy- about to say don't get me started on golf is that good or bad it's bad oh okay well, you've already taken shots at everything else that I adore and love this week. You might as well attack golf. Um, any 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 problems scuba diving by any chance or snowboarding? Oh no, let's go. Oh, I watched my octopus teacher last night. Have you seen this documentary? Won the twenty twenty one Oscar for I best documentary. Heard good things. Wow. What? <laughs> like it was. I was working on the show because I never stop working. Everybody, that's the promise I make you. I'll never stop working. <laughs> I was working on the show. It's like one o'clock and it was one o'clock to me is like it's like that shoulder season, you know, (laughs) you know, the transition where you're like one o'clock is like not late, but it's not early. Well, it depends. People are different. For me, one o'clock is not late. Three o'clock's late, but one o'clock's not early. Eleven o'clock's or ten o'clock's early. So I'm like, do I dare start a doc? Because it just landed in my life. And I was like, whoa, I've been hearing about this and it's right here. And all I have to do is hit play. And I'm like, and it's like an hour and 29 minutes. I'm like, that's not bad. I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. And finally, this morning a little bit, didn't have like nine hours of sleep. Put it that way. Doesn't matter. 
the, the the way that that film enriched my understanding and my over and I woke up differently. I'm serious. You have to. I'm not going to wreck it. I'm not going to talk about it one bit. My octopus teacher. 2021 documentary film. Unbelievable. Speaking of digital and screen time and, and sometimes how segues just fall into your lap. Every Friday, right around this time, we present the Real Talk Roundtable where we get experts together. People that are that are innovative and leading in their fields. And uh, today we're talking about Digital Wellness Day. It's this Friday. It's right now. It's Digital Wellness Day. So what does that mean? What are the implications? You know, this fits into our coverage of Mental Health Week as well. I want to let you know that this segment today, this roundtable is presented by PowerEd at Athabasca University. PowerEd offers short online and on-demand professional development courses and certificates. This is leading edge, flexible and on-demand learning. So today, literally today, PowerEd launched a new micro course called Digital Wellness 101, optimizing your time and energy. And the course introduces the importance of digital wellness and provides you with a roadmap for bringing better balance and wellness into your life. It's a, it takes two to three hours to complete in total. That's what they mean when they call it a micro course. It's completely online. It's on demand. On demand. It's not like starting in 40 minutes. You can do it when you'd like. You can get to it when you can. So you can complete it on your own time, your own pace. You can get started today at PowerEd dot ca our panelists this morning are experts in digital wellness and mental health carolee snattenchuk is the director of mental health research canada nina hersher is a digital wellness expert and angela ross is the executive director of momentum walk-in counseling welcome to the three of you and, and thank you for being here this morning um, carolee why don't we start with you when we talk about digital wellness and how it corresponds with mental health. What do we know? Where does this conversation need to start? Yeah, thanks, Ryan. You know, it's an interesting question because, uh, in fact, in the workplace, we're finding that digital wellness is a is a, to- a hot topic right now. People are really starting to consider what the impact of the digital environment we live in is on how they do work, how they focus. So for us, and um, I work at ATB Financial, I am a director at Mental Health Research um, Canada, but, um, you know, we really talk a lot about kind of batching our emails and limiting our uh, distractions by turning off um, our like pings and dings that happen all day long. So really it's about managing that, taking control of your digital environment and being more focused when we can be and and to take the like a 15 minute focus time and then deciding whether you're going to use a digital element in your life or not. And so uh, for us, it's really about getting that mental health through digital wellness and digital management. Nina, you're a digital wellness expert. Is this a relatively new field? What does it mean to be a digital wellness expert? Oh, man, it is definitely a new field, but it's something that I've been working on for about 10 years now. And a digital wellness expert is someone who is examining how our shifting norms of connectivity are really reconceptualizing how we develop as as humans. Um, And so my training is actually as a social worker and workshop facilitator and program coordinator. And all of this is to say that when we're talking about digital wellness, just to give us a little bit more context, we're basically referring to what is the optimum state of health and well-being that each individual using technology is capable of achieving. And so we really focus on a healthy tech versus anti-tech approach to technology usage. So we can look at 
things like when someone is plugged in, are they being the most productive they can be? Are they in flow with their work? When they're taking a break, is that break effectively recharging them? Or are they maybe just scrolling Instagram and feeling a little bit depleted or drained in every kind of combination? And so our approach is called digital flourishing, which is this mindful approach to tech usage, where we get to enjoy all of the amazing things it brings us while avoiding and really um, working against some of those more harmful factors like tech neck and fear of missing out and all of those things that we hear about. And so Carolee was actually one of the people who graduated from our digital wellness certificate program. We're so delighted to have her on the call. And we're just so happy to see leadership really being engaged in this conversation to employ to 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 really support employee wellness especially during mental health awareness month i um I'm, I'm just like scribbling notes as you're talking i'm like we're gonna have to dig more into that into that i mean healthy versus anti-tech i mean that's great we'll get into that because because i know for a fact that conversations around digital wellness will cause some people to get defensive about their use of technology. And I know that for a fact because I will get defensive about my use of technology. I am one of these people. I'm one of the people that is well aware that there's a screen time tracker on my phone and I don't look at it because I don't want to know the number because I know I would be appalled. Angela, in your field of wellness and mental health and counseling, how much of an issue is this? And and how much would you say, if we were to chart a graph of growth, has it become more of an issue almost exponentially since things like smartphones and social media entered the mix? Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of the irony of our time. You know, if you consider, you know, we're living in a, in a pandemic and had we not had the digital age alongside with us, we would have no way of connecting to our clients right now um, for our kids going to school, for people working. Um, you know, it, it is a bit of a it's a, it's a bit of an interesting time that we find ourselves in. And, and again, um, you know, when momentum went to complete telehealth and virtual last summer, uh, given the restrictions, uh, it really opened up, opened our eyes up to the possibilities and the reach that we now have across the province. Our mental health professionals can help anyone, no matter where they are in Alberta at this point. And we didn't have that reach before. So, Absolutely, you know there there is a lot of um, a, a lot of you know anxiety is a perfect example where you know you get that sort of um, notification ding and how is that impacting your anxiety? Um, am I missing out if I try and take a healthy break from social media? We absolutely see that. That's just part and parcel of our digital age right now, and it, I'm really happy to see folks like Carolee and Nina and really taking a look at this and how is this impacting us as a society, especially now when we're so reliant on technology just to to do our day-to-day life. That's the thing, right? I, I, 
I'm Carly. I don't know about you. I, I hope you don't mind if we get a little bit personal because I would love to hear about your experience taking this course. Um, but I'll tell you what. I'll never ask somebody to get really personal without me showing a few cards of my own. I'll meet you right there. <laughs> um, so, so this is what I'm classically known for among my group of friends. Just the other day, we were having a debate over where a certain hockey player stacked up in all-time history for points scored. And so we we now, as you know, we have access to all the information in the world, essentially, uh, or more than we could ever use. And so I go I go to my phone. I say, I'll get us the answer. I'll be able to get the answer right this minute. And unfortunately, kind of uh, trivia is becoming a bit of a lost art, but I digress. Well, what happens? So I start looking for this information, but then I see that I have a couple notifications on my Instagram and then I go check that. And then once I'm on my Instagram, then I go to my Twitter. And then if I've checked Twitter, I might as well go and see my Facebook. And then did anybody email me on my work account? So I start digging into my work email and my buddy's sitting there. And after a few moments, he goes, were you going to track that info down or not? And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm in this wormhole on something. I, I just get I get sucked into this vortex uh, are you a little bit the same way? Where were you at when, when you embarked, when you when you took that sort of the first couple of minutes of this digital wellness course? Oh, yeah. I mean, I am a doom scroller for sure, especially uh, during the elections. And I would just constantly be scrolling. What's what's that next in, insane tweet that I'm going to hear? What's the <laughs> what's the next um, piece that I need to watch on on like someone posted something on LinkedIn? And so, yeah, I, I really had that. And the word doom scrolling is something I definitely learned uh, through the digital wellness course, along with um, the idea that, you know, we, we just say, okay, to the default setting. So um, you mentioned something just before we started this talk about getting into my octopus teacher and, you know, you saw it come up on your screen. We actually can control that. We, we don't have to just have our settings take us to the next um, image we, or the next video that we're going to watch. And so I think taking, you know, just learning that that was happening to me without me even giving up that control um, was, was really troubling. And so that digital graveyard, like if you want to hear more about it, my digital graveyard, I have a whole um, drawer full of old computers, old phones, all kinds of wiring you know one of the things we learned there is just like the physical environment get rid of that stuff you yeah. need it it's not working anymore so you know I can go on and on um, you know at work we start to use a team charter where we're talking about um, what are our norms as a team our values as a team how do we set boundaries what are those boundaries and what's our preferred way of communicating like just establishing that baseline has made a giant difference even in a few weeks um, of using it at, at our workplace. So yeah, thanks for asking, but the digital graveyard and that doom scrolling piece were revealing to me because I thought I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm not too bad at this, yeah. but I am terrible, terrible. <laughs> well, Hey, I'm right there with you. And, and I, and I suspect you might be preaching to the choir a little bit. Um, I mean, our, even our live audience here and some great observations, Daniel's absolutely right. He says the streets are being roamed by zombies. You know, people just glued to their phone screens. He says, if you look at the other cars at a stoplight, like 70% of drivers are looking at a phone screen. Um, Daniel, I, I hate to say it, pal but i i think 70 percent might actually be a little bit low i mean if you actually yeah. look around you, you might maybe 70 percent of drivers on the on the highway are looking at their phones let alone red lights don't take that as me being glib about it it's it's a crisis uh leo says digital wellness should be in the new alberta curriculum this is something kids need to learn in school in the 21st century mm -hmm. um nina when carolee's talking about her digital graveyard i literally as we speak 
in my garage have one of those old iMacs. It was like my first computer that I personally owned. You know, the ones where they, well, maybe you weren't, I don't know. But they're from like the the mid to late 90s. And they were an Apple release. And they were like purple and green and orange. And they kind of look super cool. Um, the thing is, they weigh about 40 pounds. I still have one with the printer and the mouse and the keyboard because it's all orange and it all matches. And somebody's going to make an NDP wisecrack, but I digress. I've also got a couple of old laptops I don't even have power cords for. And like psychologically, why am I keeping all this stuff? What's going on? That's a great question. I think psychologically you're keeping all of that stuff because maybe you haven't transferred all of the contents to an external mm -hmm. hard drive, which is a great first step for getting rid of some of the digital clutter. We also are human. And so we really love to see kind of the evolution of technology over time. I mean, I've had four different Mac computers in my life, so I can definitely relate to that. But I think that this kind of practice of going through your tech graveyard is very powerful because overall we're trying to enhance our mental clarity. And when there's clutter around us, that can be immensely challenging. And so the question becomes, how can we create a physical environment to support positive behavior change? And I'm happy to hear that that computer is in your garage, I believe. It so is. it's not something that, you know, you're interacting with every day, but especially those who are on tech, we like to collect antiques and that can be okay too. And so at some point I would encourage you to maybe just examine like, why do you feel like you're holding on to that? Is it something that you wanna like frame and put in a corner and actually like showcase your collection and talk about the the evolution of tech over time? But those computers are tanks and they're amazing. And I remember logging onto them in school and you know having to wait like 20 minutes out of like an hour class just for it to load and turn on. And that was a different experience and a whole different pace than what we're experiencing now with this instantaneous connectivity. Yeah, I just, and, and I don't even, it's, it's like the worst thing when someone will come over and see it and go, oh, wow. Because then to me, that's like, hey, good thing I kept it. Hey, I talked to these, uh, I can't remember what they're called. They're like the, the minimalists, I think is what they're called. They've, they, I interviewed them on a, on a TV show like many years ago and they've gone on to, to see fame and fortune. But one of the biggest things I remember that they talked about, they actually did an audit. They did an on-camera audit of my, my workspace at the TV station and I was mortified. I didn't know they were going to do that. And it, it was a very eclectic workspace with a lot of trinkets and gifts. And, uh, you know, I'd done some announcing work at a rodeo and they'd given me a cowbell and I did some other stuff volunteering here. I had baseballs I'd thrown out at games and all these things that had these sentimental connections. But it was such clutter. Uh, and one of the suggestions they made, they said, how neat would it be to just get to photograph this workspace and have a photo of it? And then you could declutter it and you could still look at the photo and it would bring you back to the value of the keepsakes. I wonder if there's a digital angle, maybe Nina, to that as well. Do you think maybe? I think there is. And I was actually recently in Keystone, Colorado, and I saw some really cool art exhibit that was like a collection of cell phones throughout years and just seeing like all the different colors and all the different shapes was also fascinating um, to look at how we have been able to trim down the size of the phone which you know is also a little bit of a tricky thing because now it's so small that we feel like we can just carry on our person and it's almost an extension of us all the time on our live chat William says I just recently quit playing World of Warcraft says I've been playing since 2005. I mean, we could talk about like gaming's not really my wheelhouse. 
Um, but I know for a lot of people, it's life, right? And for many different reasons, um, you know, Courtney says, I'm always hiding my husband's tech. Uh, the old stuff, the, the so-called digital collection. I'm ditching them before he notices. If we kept everything, he'd need a whole room. Who needs five old phones? Meantime, James, who's creative, but James, you're part of the problem. I'm kidding, pal. But like James is like, hey, if you have a really old Mac, you can turn it into an aquarium. I keep thinking the exact same thing. I'm going to turn this iMac into a, what do I know about building aquariums? Nothing. That is never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Angela, what do you tell people when you're when you're championing mental health, when you're counseling people, people that are just so wrapped up in and married to their tech? How do you define healthy boundaries? That's a great question. Uh, you know, back in the early days of my career, I would um, ask people to take breaks from from news. You know, it was you need to not tune into CNN or Al Jazeera or whatever first thing in the morning. You need to give yourself some time, sit out in the sun, have your coffee. Um, it's very same with with um, with tech. You know, a lot of people, the way they begin their day is they grab their phone and they start to scroll and they start to see, you know, the news flashes and the, you know, updates and the breaking news. And it's just a really anxiety provoking way to start your day. And I, I'm guilty of it myself. Um, I was up really late watching the coverage of the fire in St. Albert at one of the Christensen sites. I, I used to work there and I was just pinned to Facebook and to social media to see any updates about, you know, was everybody okay? Did everybody get evacuated? And and I think that just that instantaneous negative news, the impact that it has on us, we, we really need to take a step back and take a look at that and decide, you know, what is it that I need to do to have healthy boundaries with tech and with news and with digital and with connectivity? You know, we, we don't need to be answering emails at 1230 in the morning. You know, we don't need to be online all the time and available all the time. And so it looks a little bit different for everyone, but it's so important for all of us to find what what's our healthy balance. People can check out uh, powered.ca, powered.ca for, for more on this Digital Wellness 101, uh, the course that just officially launched today carolee what's changed since you went through this audit and and, and you went toe-to-toe you, you stared eye to eye with your digital graveyard and and you approached in in for all intents and purposes you're sure giving off the vibe as somebody that approached with a pretty open mind um willing to evaluate your practices and maybe and, and amend them um how did the process impact you ultimately yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing is that I became very intentional about my usage. So, so like deciding what that was going to look like and um, doing things to make a difference in my own like digital wellness life and also at work. And so, you know, there's four things that, um, well, digital wellness is the newest leg from my perspective of overall wellness. So if we think about wellness, there's mental health, physical health, financial health, social health. And um, right now what I've said is that the fifth pillar is digital health. And so really giving it the attention it deserves and, and taking that time to be intentional about how we approach that in the workplace and personally. And so for me personally, I have made a lot of changes like removing phones from the bedroom at night, 
uh, getting a regular alarm clock instead of using my phone as an, as an alarm clock, which is often an excuse that I'll hear when I invite people to take that step towards not using their phone as an alarm clock uh, or having it in the room. They're like, well, I can't live without my alarm. Well, there are a lot of other options. And so we just have to be very specific around what we're going to do, what we accept and what we won't accept and how that's going to help us. And it isn't, it isn't like a one minute fix. It will take some time for you to feel the effects of not having your phone in your room and getting rid of that digital clutter in, in your garage or in your drawer and um, batching your emails so that you're not always answering emails or setting your meetings to be, uh, to give yourself a break. I think Angela mentioned the importance of breaks. So, I mean, there's so many things that I've changed personally and that I have brought into the workplace, but the breaks too, I mean, that's a really important thing because we know that effective breaks actually lead to better outcomes in the in our work, in our performance, in our ability to, to be our whole selves in, in the workplace. So um, that's just a few things, but I know Nina and, um, and Angela probably have a whole bunch of other things that, that they, they can share too. Well, Nina, I'm curious to pick your brain on, um, I mean, you're the author of your playbook for thriving in the remote work era. Um, when we look at these past 14 months, oh, let's see it. Yeah, we'll get a wide shot. No, yeah, show it up. Yeah, yeah there you go. Nicely done. Nicely done. Great, great font. Great font choice. Um, I like that. That's a good looking book. Um, obviously, this last year and a bit has uh, dramatically impacted the way that some people work. And, you know, we touched on about a half an hour ago. I mean, some of these lasting or residual impacts of this pandemic, I guarantee more people are going to want to work from home. Companies are going to want to cut some costs. We've proven for the most part that people can work remotely. Sure, there are some things that aren't great. People miss the social element. It's not as efficient. You can't pop in on a colleague's desk to check in on a project. But, but how does that tie in uh, working remotely and your expertise there with what we're talking about today, digital wellness and mental health. Absolutely. There is a lot built into that. And so rewinding for one second to what Angela was talking about with gaming, this is something that a lot of people are having a problem with, but a lot of people are also loving it. And so what we're encouraging people to do who are seeing their husband, wife, children kind of engaging in overuse is actually to look at what are those games involving? And are these games kind of showing things that we might be able to replicate in real life and do as family activities? Because I think that that can be a lot of fun. But the other side of that is that everyone's self-care, everyone's break is going to look different. And so I give this example of if you had an inner pilot light, just noticing for yourself, are certain activities making that light burn even brighter or are certain activities blowing it out? And are you feeling exhausted? And so I think this is a good observation with things like gaming as well. But there is so much to be said for actually carving out time for an unplugged break in the morning and the evening, because Brian, with so many people working from home, we're seeing that the lines between work and home environments are so blurred. And while companies are happy because employees' productivity on average is actually up, we're seeing that the employees themselves are a little bit exhausted. And so doing things like, you know, making your meetings 25 minutes instead of half an hour. So you have that time to take a break and doing things like carving out time in the morning and the evening so that you can reclaim your peace of mind are so powerful 
even if you have to wake up half an hour early, just having like your unplugged coffee, taking time to center, to ground, because as soon as you open your inbox, man, the floodgates are open, right? And so we really want to look at how can we reclaim our peace of mind? And I find that when I take that time first thing, I am so much more resilient and grounded throughout the whole day. Whereas if I were to check my email first thing, I might go into this place of kind of fight or flight. And also there's being research done on something called email apnea, actually showing that when we check our email, we often hold our breath. And so imagine how many times we're checking our email, how many times we're holding our breath and what impact that might be having on our nervous system and mental health. I'm just so glad that people are talking about this stuff and that people are studying it. I'm just grateful to know that it's that it's on people's radar. Um, Angela, I want to get into this along those same lines in just a second. We're hanging out with Angela Ross from Momentum Walking Counseling, Nina Hersher, who's a digital wellness expert, Carolee Snattenchuk, uh, Director of Mental Health Research Canada, graduate of this Digital Wellness uh, 101. want to remind you right now, uh, Mother's Day is fast approaching. It's this weekend. And if you're in our neck of the woods where we're doing this show... Uh, out of the city of Edmonton, the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. There's six of them in total. Want to remind you, they've got your back. They've got you covered if you want to truly treat your mom. All right. Mother's Day cakes, the famous Dairy Queen cakes. We're, we're talking about vanilla soft serve, chocolate soft serve, and that famous cookie and fudge center. I could eat 11 pounds of it in one sitting. Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Sam, are you more you're like when you find that chocolate center, are you if, if you're sharing the you know, if you're if you're splitting the cake with other people, is this one of those areas where you're willing to risk your reputation to take down as much of that chocolate cookie center as you possibly can? Are you like me? Yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about it in those terms before, but uh, yes, I will zealously hoard the cookie center as much as I can. I, I yep, will full on admit to that. I am a I am a generous and thoughtful person who loves to share, unless there's a Dairy Queen cake. <laughs> and in then which case, all bets are off. In which case, have you ever seen perhaps uh, videos from Kruger Rock? <laughs> or have you ever seen the Predators on the Serengeti? <laughs> I am that one. I saw a lioness chase a leopard out of a tree on our favorite, I believe it was on Nature is Metal, the Instagram account. The lioness, the leopard had an ibex. The lioness wanted the ibex and went after it. And I thought, that's me with a Dairy Queen cake. And if you mention my name, Jespo, or you mention Real Talk at any of their six locations, they're going to give you $5 off that cake. Plus, starting today, a carnation when you pick it up. Mom doesn't have to know that you got the flour and the cake at the same place. You're just going to look like you care doubly as much. Thanks to our friends at the Dairy Queens of West Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. Also wanted to give a shout out to the team at Westworld Computers. We're getting into summer season. Obviously, you're going to be spending more out time, uh, time outdoors. Uh, why not tap into you know the, the audio lineup they have? Brands like Beats, Ultimate Ears, JBL, and more, plus Sonos. I've been pumping Sonos tires because if you've heard a Sonos sound system in action, you know it's well worth the investment. Uh, they've been carrying the Sonos lineup at Westworld for a long time. You can check it out at westworld.ca. They're happy to ship anywhere. They want your business, of course, as they have building that customer base from more than 40 years. Family owned at Westworld Computers. That's westworld.ca. It's Digital Wellness Day today. And uh, in recognition of that, Athabasca University has launched 
uh, through its Power Ed. Uh, this is just a fantastic opportunity. PowerEd.ca Digital Wellness 101. We're talking about it with Angela Ross, Executive Director at Momentum Walk-In Counseling. Nina Hersher's hanging out with us, a digital wellness expert. And Carol Lee Snattenchuk um, out of ATB Financial, also the director, a director at Mental Health Research Canada. Uh, by the way, Carol Lee, your team's not asking me to do this. You're not paying me to do this. You don't know that I'm about to do this, but we do our business banking with ATB Financial. And I walked into a branch yesterday unannounced and they had this month's edition of Edify Edmonton magazine right at the front door, right beside the hand sanitizer. Um, and, and, and this isn't, I don't know why I'm so this, this issue. It just, I don't know. There was something about it. Something about it just jumped out at me and I thought they didn't know I was showing up today. And so there you have it. That that issue of Edify on the front table by the hand sanitizer. Um, we've decided we're not taking our business banking anywhere else. We're, we've, we've decided we're going to stick around with ATB Financial. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. Yeah. I love hearing that. Thank the, you for being a customer. There you and go. And for having your photo on the cover. Well, and you guys, we have, we have a, uh, I promise I'll get focused again in just a second. We have, we have, you have an arts, we actually have an arts banker. He like he works with businesses that are yes. in the arts. And so the conversation is always culture. arts and culture. So it always starts on a, like a totally different. It's great. It's great. They give us the benefit of the doubt and, and we give a shout out when it's due. So there you go. Shout out to ATB. Angela, we're, we're hearing from audience members today. Like I love this from Jess. Uh, Jess took a step uh, and said, I recently installed an app that actually removes access to Twitter and Facebook for certain parts of the day, depending on what day it is. And Jess says it's worked wonders for me. I know that when people walk into momentum counseling, they're looking for tangible tools, steps, words of advice. There's kind of a, a, a two prong approach we're taking today with digital wellness and mental health. Is that one of the things that you might recommend to somebody actually limiting your exposure or your access to some of these things that can be such vacuums? Absolutely. And I think in particular for those that are having a hard time disengaging or setting those healthy boundaries in their own way, um, there are so many tools out there that will help you set those boundaries for you. And it just removes that that temptation, that, you know, notification, that constant fight or flight response. When I hear that phone, you know, when I hear that ding, I have to react, I have to respond, I have to be on. Um, so the more of that, um, that people can utilize to help them set their own healthy boundaries, the better. This is great from Sue says, you know, people need to put their cell phones in their briefcase, or their purse, or, or even in your trunk when you're driving it, you know, that it breaks that, ah, just take a quick peek habit. You know, and the Bluetooth hands free calls are still possible if absolutely necessary. The suit just says drive. You know, <laughs> I've got a buddy that has an auto response. I love it. My buddy strainer. Every time I send him a text during the well, not every time, obviously, but it'll come up and it'll say I, I, I'm, I'm currently driving and my phone is on do not disturb. And it's like a setting uh, when he gets in his car. Nina, are more are more people taking steps like this? Is there more proactivity? We talk so much in the context of a pandemic about personal responsibility. Are people showing that on the digital wellness front? People are beginning to, and we have this graphic of a flourishing wheel that I think you might even have over on your side. And this graphic is really meant to show what are the subcategories of digital flourishing that we're talking about. And so let's say that somebody came to me and said, hey, I'm having a really big issue with my productivity. I'd say, okay, great, productivity. But we also need to look at environment. Is your environment set up in such a way that it's allowing distractions, which is what we're just talking about, having that phone out of sight. Are you communicating with others 
setting up those auto responses, letting them know when you're going to be offline and so many more. And so we can see that all of these kind of subdomains are very interconnected and digital wellness is going to show up differently for every person in terms of the triggering event that makes them really want to take a deeper look at their habits. And oftentimes we think it's something else. We think it's our husband, our wife, our kids, but we also need to look at how are we modeling the behavior. And like Angela was saying, how can we also utilize tech to help us change our habits? I think sometimes people forget that when engaging in habit change, habit replacement is so important. And so quitting anything cold turkey, usually not going to work. Although there are some people who are so driven, so focused. If you're changing a habit, you want to replace it with another habit. So if we're leaving our phone outside of our room in the evening to reconnect with our significant other, maybe we should take a book inside. Maybe we should have a cup of tea together. What are you going to be doing during that time that you were previously on your devices? Maybe start smoking or something like that, you know? (laughs) Something really healthy. (laughs) You know, a healthy step. Um, No, uh, Carolee, did you, did you like at any point, so we're talking about, I mean, sometimes when, when you go through an exercise, you go through this audit, so to speak, by, by way of this course, um, you perhaps you change some sub you know some habits you replace them with more positive habits one of the neat angles that i've really enjoyed seeing through the course of this pandemic is people learning about sourdough starters and baking their own bread or learning how to crochet or one of my buddies claims to have fixed his golf swing i haven't seen proof of it yet but we'll see um are you far enough out to be able to say hey i mean i've really there's been some self-improvement here and it's measurable and it's encouraging yeah, I'm so, but I'm so guilty of the sourdough thing too. So I, I am one of those folks. But um, some, some tangible things that I've done is with, with, uh, with my team and with the organization, I've made uh, a period of time in the day. I've, I've called it sacred time, and uh, no one is really able to book a meeting during that time. And and so, so that's a big change. So I've been clear that during that time, I'm going to do like 30 minutes of yoga and I'm going to eat my lunch. And whether it happens at noon or one or two or 10, it you know, depends on the day, but there is an hour in my, in the middle of my day that is like really not meant for meetings. And so I have been clear on that. I, I'm, you know, I've modeled that behavior and I've invited others to do that too. And it's, it's really starting to work. And, and then a more analog thing that I've done is I keep a written uh, kind of day timer and I just put the things that I want to achieve at the top, including yoga, you know, eat a healthy lunch and then top four things that I'm going to achieve it through the day. And I keep looking back at those. So that's really helped with focus and it's helped me to not use my phone as that kind of tool. So, mm-hmm. you know, those are some real important changes that I've made since taking the digital wellness course. And, and, you know, I think all of us intuitively know that we could do these things, but having it kind of brought to light and, um, and spending a lot of time, you know, thinking about it, studying it, writing up how I might uh, deploy that in an organization has really helped me to internalize it and create that model for others uh, to see and um, you know choose whether they do that or not so those are those are the big changes and um, and the sourdough of course yeah (laughs) (laughs) I love that I absolutely love that and I think that what you're really speaking to is how can we create that protected time for self-care almost like we're having an appointment with someone else how can we put an appointment with ourselves on the calendar and not let anything 
come into that time. Also introducing this idea of flexible routines. So pre-COVID, you know, we all had routines. Maybe we played tennis, we went hiking, but like really making a list of all of your different breaks, all your different self-care exercises. And even if you only have a few minutes, looking at that list and doing something from that list instead of just getting sucked back into your email. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I'm I'm participating. As a matter of fact, just uh, well, it doesn't matter. I won't get into the weeds here. But but as one of the judges on the uh, the Western Canadian Regional 3MT competition, it's the three minute thesis competition. And so I've been able to go through. And these are these are these are researchers, graduate students um, from universities all across Western Canada, Winnipeg and Thompson Rivers and UVic and U of C and Royal Roads and Athabasca University, University of Lethbridge, Simon Fraser. Anyway, I watched this three minute and it's not easy for somebody to take you know their passion and and the subject of their research and boil it down and summarize it for a lay person uh in three minutes but just this morning i was i was going through some of the videos and making my notes and and the judges were going to rule the events next week i'm super excited to be a part of it one of the researchers was doing really interesting uh, investigations into the value of play and the mental health impacts of play and what we do as a culture as a society to to almost stifle play or to outgrow play and it was just this i wish it was longer than three minutes that's kind of the whole point of the competition but but just understanding more about play and getting outside and as part of it this researcher i'm trying not to show favoritism i really shouldn't even be talking about it but but she talked about you know interviewing uh, you know either children or adults that could reminisce on their childhood and what did they value most and what most made an impact and it was unsupervised play and it was outdoor play. I mean, Angela, I see you nodding your head. I mean, like maybe I'm stating the obvious, but I think that that refo- it was a refocus for me. And that was just this morning. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, with the kids going to online school, I reached out to my out of school care provider in a panic and said, can you manage this? I, I, I can't. <laughs> And, you know, I was so happy to see that her schedule included uh, the school schedule as well as her schedule included uh, recess breaks and outside breaks and time to get away from their screens and time to get, a, you know, away from the academic part of it. And it's just you, you, you see kids, you see how they'll find anything. They don't need toys. They don't need anything. They'll find rocks or or sticks or leaves and they just they're creative and that's how they develop and that's how they grow and I think as we age we start to you know we we don't necessarily see the value in that any longer and we you know we feel that we need to be productive we always have to have an outcome and you know I think we've done ourselves a a big disservice and we need to re-engage with that side of ourselves. I want to wrap with this. I'm so grateful for the three of you giving us uh, your time here. Uh, Nina, earlier today, like earlier in our conversation, you talked about the difference, uh, you know, the uh, perspective on healthy technology um, and how it does not necessarily equate to anti-technology. And we have this audience member. I, I actually know him personally. I got to know him a number of years ago. He's he's a brain injury survivor, like a big time brain injury uh, and a big time survivor. Uh, Brad Ferris's name, and he's uh, he does a ton of advocacy and talks a lot about head injuries. And he's a a very avid cyclist, and he watches Real Talk. I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, he sends us photos all the time. I think he's this is part of his. Day 
daily routine and look at his setup here and he says it's digital wellness time and he's got all his cycle jerseys around and he's got screens everywhere so he's logging screen time but look what he's doing it looks to me like the program i think is called zwift with with apologies if i'm wrong he says go zwift um and he and he, and he races guys and he goes on these big long journeys he'll cycle like 100k at a time i'm unbelievable while he's watching real talk live on youtube this is kind of it kind of strikes me as an intersection here like i'm sure that brad would tell you himself and he cycles outdoors too and things like that i'm sure there's climate realities and weather and all that kind of stuff but yeah maybe uh riding outdoors might be more ideal but this screen time here i'm assuming nina you're not going to tell us is inherently bad Uh, might this be an example of a healthy balance Mm-hmm. This is a fascinating example. And so one of the domains in that flourishing wheel is actually quantified self and relates to how are people harnessing technology to track their exercise? It's over on the left there in dark blue. And so this is an interesting example. I don't know if he's exactly doing that, but what he is doing is he's harnessing technology for physical health in different ways and still allowing him to and still allowing himself to be plugged in and take a break that say lights his inner pilot light. Mm -hmm. And so this is a great example of how someone is kind of perceiving their own tech life balance and focusing on their health. And so this is just, you know, really speaking to that individualized approach, but I love it. I love that there's exercise incorporated because especially with us spending so much time on screens, we want to make sure that we're downshifting somehow from that cerebral plane and reaccessing our physical bodies. Yeah. Very well said. Angela, it seemed like it resonated with you a little bit based on your body language. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. I'm really uh, anxious to get a plug in for our uh, move for mental health virtual fundraiser. And I thought this is this is perfect. What Brad is doing is really exemplifying how, you know, we can move our bodies for mental health and uh, all the funds go to our counseling program and allow us to continue uh, providing accessible and affordable ca- counseling services uh, to the community and to Albertans. So um, everybody go to our website, www. Uh, momentum counseling with two l's.org and see how you can uh, help us brand new website look at you yeah, guys I know. go isn't that awesome thanks very, to cutting edge digital marketing well there you go <laughs> there you go very well done that's amazing i want to i want to reiterate just in case it's i never want to take anything for granted um i've been proud to have we've kind of had an unofficial relationship um mm-hmm. myself as a broadcaster and momentum walking counseling for a number of years because i just uh, i just so adore what you guys do and uh when we talk about mental health and wellness barriers to entry barriers to counseling and financial barriers in particular are so prevalent when you talk to people uh, about some of the factors at play and i'm just so grateful that you're doing what you're doing Uh, you do it because of the support of people that step up in times like this fundraiser so again momentumcounseling.org is where you can find more on that and if you'd like to learn more about digital wellness 101 at power ed you can check out powered.ca Carolee Snattenchuk, Nina Hersher, Angela Ross. This conversation has exceeded our expectations and we had high expectations. So thank you to the three of you for doing this. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank for you having so much. Be well. Thank you. It was great. You bet. You bet. Digital Wellness Day. I, I saw uh, Sarah Hoyles, you like snapped up in your chair when uh, right near the end there. We heard about the pressure, the the need that people feel to be productive, and it seemed like it rang a gong. 
Oh yeah, it was like my head was vibrating. Like, Is that re- you? Reverberation. Yeah, that I, I have to always feel like, well, what's the end point? What what do I get out of this? What can I show for my time, my energy? You know, my, so to be able to just say, I don't need to be productive. I, there doesn't need to be. I'm very goal oriented. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell that. So I I like to have an end goal. I like to be able to say what what I've what have I achieved? What have I produced? What like what do I have to show for my time? Yeah. So to be able to be given that permission to be like, no, you don't. You, you don't actually. I love what Ken says. Uh, Ken says he's owned a walking treadmill for a few years now, says it's great. If you want to watch a Netflix show, you just you walk instead of sit. Pretty straightforward. Scott has an Oculus Quest 2, like in the VR game. Mm. Virtual reality says the boxing games on it legitimately make you sweat says it's an absolutely great device and Haas says hey I made my steps one day last year I don't know if Haas has the goal 10,000 or something else he says I made my steps one day last year by simply walking back and forth from my neighbor's fire pit to my fridge to get more beer says Haas (laughs) hey man fresh air the crackle of a fire pit that's all good in my books Sam, you've we've known each other now for coming up on about half a year. Aww. Aww. Six month anniversary. Aww. Friendship <laughs> a friend anniversary. I'm sure Facebook will remind us at some point, although we yeah. weren't public about our relationship at, at the beginning. <laughs> that, that's we, true. We had to keep it on the much like a forbidden romance because Romeo we could, Juliet, we could not uh, tip off we were, we were big building media. A secret project. We were building together. a secret yeah. project. And if and if all of a sudden I started adding Sam Brooks on all my people would be like, oh, he's cooking up something. But I feel like I've had about a half a year to get to know you. And you're not the type you're, you're super tech savvy, mm. but you're not. And, and you're actually very aware of things like pop culture and what's going on in the news. You can comment on virtually everything, but you're not a guy that buries his face in his phone. I've noticed that. I am and I'm not. And I mean, like part of it is, is like this is a job where I can't be staring at my phone because there's like this many other screens to be watching. Fair enough. Um, you just so, you allocate your screen type across numbers of screens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I like I am also the guy that will think of something in the shower and grab my phone and Google it. Like I will fully admit to being the guy that will grab my phone from the counter, bring in the shower and like Google it. And 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 uh, thank God phones are waterproof. Mm-hmm. Um I was thinking actually about what Sarah was just saying. It's Hang just on. Do you turn the shower off? No, I just like you I, run. Like, you have the phone in the shower while it's running. Well, I mean, yes, but also like I don't like <laughs> hold it under the water, but like most modern phones are waterproof. Like, you wow. Drop this in a, a tank of water and it's fine. Yeah. Wow. Um, anyway, so you so, don't even have to be careful sitting on the toilet anymore. <laughs> anyway, carry on. <laughs> I got a visual. Know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We all did. Um, we. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, oh, boy. No, I was thinking about what Sarah was saying and just the idea of like, I am 100% the person that feels like they need to be productive all the time. And it's like, I, I credit Kelly for doing this to me where I'll have like a Sunday and I'll be like, it'll be like 1 p.m. and I'll be taking stock of what I've done so far that day. And she has to remind me, she's like, it's Sunday. You don't have to be productive all the time. Yeah. And I think the other thing about, about screen time and phone time uh, is, you know, one of the things that, that I've really, you know, as, as I've built a career where, like I tell people my career being a photographer, videographer, producer, I stare at screens all day. That is my, my literal job it's is your to stare job. at screens all day. Mm-hmm. So 
I've just more and more and more and more relished doing analog things. I love gardening. I love woodworking. I love being in the garage and and smelling wood and metal and using saws because it's like there's no screens involved. That's you know that's that's one of the things I just love so much about analog activities is that you're not looking at a screen. The love of your life uh, is chiming in on the live chat. <laughs> I hope no. I'm not Cute. out of step. I, I believe Cute. she's been. I believe she's been uh, outed publicly. Is she's been outed many times. Many publicly. times. So yes. Kelly, Kelly says Sam dunks his phone in the hot tub sometimes. Is this true? Yeah, like, on, like on purpose. Well, like mostly because Kelly will be like gingerly handling her phone and like trying to be. That's me. I'll be like, I'll be like Kelly. They're waterproof. Dunk. Oh, geez, Sam. But they're like his phones are like fifteen hundred dollars now. No kidding. That's what freaks me out. I'm like, our little guy wants to. It, it's amazing. He's so. Okay, just permit me for a second, okay, everybody? He's five. He's just the most wonderful. And he'll be like, he'll pick up my phone and he'll be like, hey, Siri. Hey, Siri. And like, Siri doesn't listen to the, the kid's voice. Is that a thing? Is that program? Anyway, so he's like, dad. And he'll walk it over to me and I go, hey, Siri. And then she'll come up, you know, and say, well, now I'm going to create a problem on the show. I'm trying to get Siri. Siri, why don't you want to be on the show? And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but he'll get me to launch her and then he'll, he'll go, thanks, dad. And he'll walk away with it and you'll say, pictures of real dinosaurs and then and then it'll come up and it'll give him like mock-ups right and he'll be like no pictures of real dinosaurs that are really real and i'm like this is so adorable right this is so amazing but then also part of me is like i also need to make sure that we get him out camping in drum heller and seeing the hoodoos and getting dirt under his fingernails and and carrie did this, got this amazing sort of interactive like science toy for him where he, you, you you actually you're like a, a little paleontologist you're like a five-year-old paleontologist you oh, do you little dig it you do little digs and you, you find the little bone i mean the little fossil and it's like super cool you know, and we want I want to find that balance. I bet you if we put it out to our audience um, and ask parents or, or whatever, caregivers, teachers, whatever, grandparents um, or even in your own personal lives, not just with kids. How, how do you find that balance right between real life and that so-called virtual reality or the digital reality? I've really tried. And that whole idea of the tracker of, you know, looking at your phone and also having a limitation like, OK, you've hit your hours for the day and then or a time that it, that my phone would shut down and there's there's the option of um like uh re like rejecting it or you know basically going around the warning yeah if you go around the warning you feel kind of like i mean there's a lot of shame and guilt and yes. remorse yes but i would do it every time so eventually i just had to turn it off because i was like i can't handle this guilt like i'm i keep saying you know reject i keep turning off the tracker um, but to Sam's point, the idea I've never been able to articulate, I've never been able to find the words, but that idea of analog and going, yeah, into the real world where there's tangible. And so gardening, I, I've never been able to explain why I enjoy it so much. Cause I'm like, when have I, since when am I my mother? Like, <laughs> and I, but I love it. And now I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it. Listen um, to this from Tiana. I love this on our live chat. Tiana says, she says, I love knitting yeah. for the for the reasons of that tactile feel of the soft yarn through my fingers, learning new stitches and having that real squishy product at the end, which is awesome. Yeah, I should promote my cousin Longway Homestead, Anna, 
hunter out of Manitoba. She's they they have a they uh, what do you say? Do you farm wool? You don't farm wool. What do you do? You ranch? You don't ranch? She, I guess what would you, you farm she's a, wool. She's a yeah. fiber farmer, is what she is. Cool. There you go. Yeah, yeah she's right, a fiber cool. farmer. I don't know why I didn't just say what she is. <laughs> The button she gave me that's on my jean jacket that says support your local fiber farmer might have been a clue as to what I should refer to her as. Um, But you can check her out Long Way Homestead on Instagram. She's amazing. But that whole that same thing. And like there's this whole it's not a subculture. Is it a subculture of knitters and creatives and people? Let me let me just say this. People are reconnecting. You see through the the pandemic for as many people are doing sourdough. There are people learning macrame um, like adult coloring books are a thing. Yeah. Right. Really cathartic exercise. Jason says I've struggled immensely with downtime productivity. Um, oh, man, I'm Jason. This just sucks to hear. I'm sorry, man. He says business is down 85 percent. And oh, he says, and man. the feeling of languishing at work is difficult to manage. He says, I do a ton of cooking at home to give me purpose. Says Jason. Uh, Jonathan says my niece is with Google. He says it's absolutely amazing to hear them searching things like news and Andrea Bocelli. <laughs> Isn't that fabulous? Penny says phones should be tools, not sources of entertainment. Yeah. Penny says, oh, I love. She says, I love Anna at Longway Homestead. She says, I buy her yarn all the time. Anna used to have a wool shop on on Hastings in Vancouver called Bad Anna's. And it was amazing. The branding was amazing. If you right now are looking up at your ceiling or your walls and you can see that telltale yellow water stain, you know there's a problem. It's time to step up before you have a full-blown mold program. Uh, like, I mean, all of a sudden you're going to have mold, black mold inside the walls. You're, gonna be growing. you're not going to realize it until the drywall is so soft you can push a hole through it with your finger and you're going to go, I should have called Todd's Mechanical like six months ago. Anytime you've got a, a drip, anytime you've got a leak, anytime you have a mechanical problem, you need somebody you can trust. Todd's Mechanical is the preferred plumbing and heating expert of the Real Talk audience. You can find him on Facebook at Todd's Mechanical. You can search his online reviews. The customer testimonials speak for themselves. Write the number down now or punch it into your phone because you may not need it today. But when you do, you don't have to dig for it. Todd's Mechanical, you can reach him at 780-499-7598. You'll never guess who's going to answer the phone when you call Todd's Mechanical. It's Todd. Todd's going to answer the call when you when you call Todd's Mechanical. That's the beauty of it. Make sure you make a note of that today. The team at St. Albert Dodge, Sherwood Dodge, want to remind you that the rumors you're hearing about lousy selection on trucks, for the most part, it's true. In fact, there are some dealers right now, they know people want to get the three-time Motor Trend Truck of the Year, Ram, but there's no inventory on the lot. That's when it pays to be Alberta's best selection and to have that reputation. They've got two lots to share inventory from as well at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge. You can find the link to their website, peruse their selection, what they've got in stock right now to help you get that trailer pulled under the sponsors tab at ryanjesperson.com. Also a big shout out to the team at Friesen Brothers. Sam, can you call up that photo? I don't know why I keep doing this to us because we don't have one of these boards in studio, the charcuterie, the fine cheese, the meats, the whatever you want on them. These are custom built. Look at those grapes. Look at that bread. Are you? Oh my! Why are we? Why do we do this to ourselves? The cheese. The cheese. It's a Mother's Day picnic box, and Friesen Brothers is offering it for the first time. 
But here's the thing, only at their brand new Edmonton store, South Edmonton, Fort Saskatchewan, which is a legendary location, and Stony Plain, our stomping grounds. You need to be ordered ahead of time so you can check them out online at freezen.com. That's F-R-E-S-O-N.com. Get it in time for Mother's Day. Booking closes today. We're sounding the alarm. Booking closes today. So do not delay and check out Friesen Brothers, which has been Alberta grown and Alberta owned for more than 65 years. The live chat's been active today, which is absolutely fantastic. We're also getting a ton of emails to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Did you see that one from Denise a few days ago about the animal rights conversation? I absolutely love this. Denise wrote in and said, uh, I don't remember what day it was. It was late last week. I came in and I was a little bit agitated. Uh, I had seen the photo of the NRA, the video of that NRA big shot, um, you know, taking down an elephant, him and his wife. And I was, you know, I, I sort of went off for a little bit. And it's actually prompted. When is it next Thursday, Sarah? Yeah, you bet. Pretty much the whole morning, right? The whole show. Yeah, we're going to have two different panels yeah. uh, about all things food and production and hunting and looking at, you know, our relationship to food and, and animal husbandry. Yeah. Ethics and things like we'll talk about like milk versus like cow's milk versus almond milk. And we'll talk about hunting and we'll talk about a, a whole bunch of cool stuff. And I'm super excited about that. And and, and the guests you've lined up, uh, I, it's going to be a great conversation. I'm excited. Um, Denise wrote we, we heard from a bunch of people and we heard from a, a bunch of hunters that appreciated uh, the spirit of our comments, I think, because the hunters that care are conservationists at heart. Um, and uh, and we heard from from a lot of people that said, hey, I am a vegan or that's something or, or my, my, my perspective and relationship with animals is changing. I, I have to go back and be honest. My octopus teacher watching it last night, even that, even that, like I'm a big sushi guy. Oh, I love sushi. I love sushi. And I'm like, I don't. Like this octopus, uh, so I don't want to saying is I shouldn't watch it. If you love eating octopus, do not watch the film. I'm serious wow. uh, because you it's I don't want to wreck it. All I want to do is talk about it today. I it's wanted to go found impact. I wanted to, I wanted to go live on. I wanted to call Sam because I knew that Sam was up anyway at like one thirty two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and I wanted to say, Sam, we're going live. I need to talk about my octopus. Tea. I need to sort out my feelings right now. But if you've ever looked into the eyes of a, you know, I mean, a, a beef cow, a, a steer, oh. whatever, like, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm, if you if ever like, I mean, hey, this is part of the whole reason why we need to talk about hunting, because I've said on the record before and, and to this point, I'm a hypocrite because I've not done it. I've only talked the talk. I've not yet walked the walk. I've said I think that every meat eater should at one point harvest an animal. I think you should have to wrap your mind around it. That's that's how I why I can't justify eating meat uh, is because I'm like, if I couldn't kill it myself, then what business do I have eating it? And that like that's where my just like where. Yeah, my view stems from. And for me, I want to I think that I mean, this breaks my heart to say it at the same time. It doesn't break my heart because it's reality. And it's just the, the complexity. And this is one of those areas where not everything is cut and dried. Not everything's black and white. But I think that, for example, I mean, I follow Instagram accounts that that only post photos of moose. Like the moose to me is one of the most majestic. If you've ever been backcountry, if you're lucky enough to get a moose, I mean, I have a memory that I will never forget looking across an alpine lake like narrow enough of a distance that I could see it vividly and clearly, but still feel safe, still feel safe, <laughs> not disrupt the animal. I don't think it knew I was there. And if it did, it didn't care. Um, 
you know, I'm sitting there brushing my teeth using lake water. Doesn't matter that I was buck naked, but I was to paint some perspective here. I mean, I was having a good day. Another mental image. Thank the, you. The sun was hitting every square inch of my body, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and I'm sitting there for like half an hour. Um, put it this way. I had one can of beer in my backpack for the right moment. For the right moment. And and that was the moment that I put it there and I took a few of the shoreline rocks and I created a little cooler for myself, like a little, a little uh, what's the opposite of a peninsula? What might an underwater cul-de-sac be known as? Some sort of a, uh, a holding tank, we'll call it. Uh, like imagine when you take a whale out of captivity and put it in a concrete tank. You made like that, a basin or an inlet? <laughs> that's, that's, yes, an inlet, like a basin. Yeah. I like basin. Yeah, it was my beer basin. And I took my one can and I decided that this would be the moment that I would enjoy it. I wanted to give about a half an hour in the cold lake water so it could get appropriate. So I thought I'd brush my teeth first. Nothing worse than brushing your teeth and then getting right into a beer. Yeah, I was going to say. Now you need to have an appropriate amount of time pass. And so I'm sitting there and brushing my teeth and I'm just hanging out. And at some point I did wrap, you know, I did get decent and wrap a towel around just in case hikers came through. I'm not trying to ruin everybody's day. <laughs> And I'm watching this moose. And one of the things I'll never forget about it is it's like going down into the, and when it comes up out of the water and the water's dripping off that moose rack. And I'm just like, this is the most majestic. And you know that this thing is like this thing will fight off like cougars and grizzlies. And it's a survivor. And there's nothing easy about the life of a moose. If you know the, the, the areas where they where they thrive, they're bog and they're tough slugging and they're just these amazing animals. And also, you know, what's amazing moose meat. Amazing phenomenal and i'm like one of these days i am gonna have to force and and it would be my honor and Mm. privilege and i also think it might be kind of devastating and i don't know if i would chicken out to have a moose in the sights and to take it down and to harvest it and to pack it out and to clean it and to and then and, and i think that that meat would be it would be the most meaningful protein of all time i can also understand where people are coming from People that say, I just can't do it. Someone like you, Sarah, that say, for whatever reason, some people it's health reasons, some people it's ethical reasons, some people it's for whatever reason, it's personal or not. Um, And I can totally, I I think I just love that we're going to force ourselves to have this conversation. We're going to dive in and have an uncomfortable conversation about it on Thursday. And these aren't roundtables. We're not going to talk to three hunters and then talk to three vegans. Nope. No, we are going to get everybody in the same space yeah. so there can actually be constructive conversation with varying perspectives. I mean, that's ultimately what real talk is about. Uh, wanting to make sure that, yeah, we get all, well, not all the voices because everything is so nuanced and there's so much complexity, but we're trying to get a variety of voices around the table. And, and one of the really cool things, too, is is you're going to obviously be monitoring our hashtag that morning and people can I'm sure will be sending emails to us into the show. The live chat will be going wild. Um, so, you know, I think that's going to be a great conversation. And, and I always say to people, you know, I've said this on my talk radio show before, too. Uh, you know, if you if you ever feel like your perspective is underrepresented, you know, at that point, we're a phone call away right now. We're a tweet or, or a live chat comment away. We want varying and different. And, and sometimes dissenting perspectives mm, within absolutely. reason, as long as they're respectful, to obviously have an opportunity to be. How, how meaningful is a conversation that doesn't explore important angles? I mean, what's the point, right? So Denise wrote in and she said, your emotions uh, attached to the video of that NRA turd wagon that shot the elephant is the same way that I feel basically every single day. When I come across anything with meat of any kind of animal product for human consumption in forms of advertising or dining with family, 
Denise says, I've actually been wanting to send you an email with a suggestion for real talk about this very subject, but I feared it would be overlooked as I get a lot of eye rolls when this topic is brought up. She says, I look forward to the conversation about the double standard with hunting animals for sport versus hunting for food. And you better believe we're going to talk about that on Thursday. You bet. She says, uh, we can not only just survive, but we can thrive on a plant-based diet and conversation on animal agriculture and and the the whole plant-based versus bacon thing. You know, she said, bring Thomas Davidoff back for this conversation. I think he gets it. You remember Thomas Davidoff was on the show to talk about something that had nothing to do with bacon, but finance and real estate, finance and real estate, a great voice out of the University of British Columbia is the, is the Schulich School of Business I think, or Schuler, Schulich, yep. Schuler, something like that. A school of business that I wouldn't have been smart enough to get into. Put it that way. Uh, what is it? That, that great scene out of office space. Uh, his name is not going not well, to work here anymore anyway. <laughs> it's, it's like the greatest quote from office space. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so he, he goes in on this and he dove in on this. And before we talked about whether or not Canada is experiencing a real estate bubble, he said, I actually do want to dig in on what you were just talking about previously. I love when guests do that. Yeah. Just adds a layer. Absolutely. Right? This isn't just some guy that's going to talk about real estate trends and some people's eyes are going to glaze over. It's like, I love when guests kind of get into it like that. Well, it just shows that, you know, everybody, they're not just like an expert. I mean, they are an expert in a certain area, but they are living, breathing people and it humanizes them that they, yeah, they have diff- different perspectives. I thought it was really great. And, and and it also says something that sets the tone for an interview. Yeah. When somebody's like, oh, I'll get into politics. I don't mind. I'll, I'll make it, you know, and then they throw a big hand grenade in like the first 30 seconds. You're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> here we go. So what do you think about realtors commissions? Uh, no. Um, so she says in, in less than 100 years, Ryan, to answer your question, I do think we will all be vegan. She says, by the way, I don't miss a single episode of Real Talk. Thank you. Thanks for the podcast. Thanks for bringing attention to important topics. Thanks for making the news interesting and unbiased and uncensored. That from Denise. I love it. Let me say I am not unbiased. I want to touch on this real quick. I'm not unbiased and I'll never present myself to be unbiased because every single person walking on planet Earth has bias. But I will say we endeavor to be fair every single day obviously my bias uh, informs my personal opinions on things that's why many of you are here it's why you gather in community as well as real talkers because your bias in other words your perspective fuels your approach to some of these subjects and then we all hash it out and talk about it and we realize that we're not all the same on everything i love that point i mean looking at it in journalism school when <laughs> we were talking about ethics of course there was an ethics class one of the profs said you know there is no way in hell, we didn't use hell, but there's no way that you are unbiased. There's no way. It's impossible. It's impossible. What you try, what you aim to do is listen and get a variety of voices. The problem, that, like the one caution is um, false equivalence. So it's basically saying like, oh, well, we need to get both sides of the story, which then says that, you know, somebody that's way out in left field Maybe there's, you know, a few of them that don't think that lockdowns or restrictions are important. And because we need to get their voice or there's people that say that it is good that we need to have both. And so it says that, oh, they're equal, which 
They're not. But what we will do is we'll talk to an infectious disease physician and a researcher that can talk about how spread happens and what they know about it. And then we'll talk to a small business owner that says, here's what I hope political leaders would do, because here's what our reality is. And here's how we're getting kicked in the teeth repeatedly. And here's what it means for our family's future and our investment. And then we'll hear from politicians who who give their side of the story. And then we'll hear from, you know, the moms and dads uh, that are home this morning for the first time, maybe some of you in a while because kids are back out of school and at home. And all of these perspectives come into the mix. But what we won't do is give 30 seconds to an infectious disease doctor and then 30 seconds to my drunk Uncle Larry on Facebook for his opinions on how disease spreads or whether or not it's real. And then say, well, he said he said or she said he said. And, you know, obviously, I think people sniff that out, though, from a mile away. This is a smart audience. Oh, absolutely. I I don't want to say that people don't get that but i want to know i i love your intentionality around saying no i want to make this clear let's 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 just state it for everyone's sake ours as well (laughs) And, and this audience will call us to the carpet which we invite you to do. We mean it. I mean like we we could have called it like benign talk or decent talk. (laughs) Benign meh talk, all right talk. We called it real talk. Colleen wrote in to say Woke Albertans have presented themselves as progressives, but the most popular Twitter accounts I know are a bleached cheerleading team for their own agenda. This could have been a trash talk, but I'm reading it in a calm and relaxed voice instead. (laughs) They gain popularity on a single note and are hailed as hero types, much like the ticket that the premier got himself elected on money. There's a failure to examine why Alberta elected Jason Kenney in the first place. We need to do that if we are to truly move forward. That from Colleen, a moment of sober thought. And how about this one from Scott, who said, Ryan, I really appreciated you having Minister Miriam Monsef on the show, federal minister, to discuss child care. It says it's a really important issue. I drafted a resolution for the Building Trades of Alberta Convention this year on child care. And my vision was to create a fund to help cover these costs. It could either lead or grant our members. They could apply for a construction trade daycare center and it would be paid for by union members for union members. There's many men and women in construction that would love to start a family but simply can't afford it. You know, a first year apprentice in the electrical trade is lucky if they can make, you know, anything more than minimum wage, 15 bucks an hour, no pension, no RSPs. Now, add to that the cost of tools, paying for their own PPE. Uh, I mean, you know, thoughts around starting a family could become cost prohibitive. He says, so, you know, last year, the United Association, he says that's the Plumbers and Pipefitters Union, created a program to top up member earnings if they're on maternity leave. Said it's a very forward thinking and thoughtful idea that we're looking at is maybe implementing ourselves. Says, I'm happy the minister was on your show, but I was frustrated that she did not give a clear answer on what the federal government will do if the provincial government does not cooperate with the proposed child care plan. Scott, you weren't the only one that said that. He said the liberal government needs to put more pressure on Alberta to support what is a good program, a program that could benefit all Albertans. That from Scott. We appreciate that note. The federal government's in a tough position because they're wanting to roll something out that they need the cooperation of the provinces on. And if the provinces don't want to cooperate and you don't want to create a chasm and you want to be able to convince Canadians that you are making efforts to work with the provinces, it's a tough. I mean, we asked the prime minister about that himself, uh, Justin Trudeau, when we asked about cooperating with provinces on things like pharmacare or on things like universal basic income or on things like child care. If the provinces say no, like Alberta and Ontario have done on things like 
national pharma care plans. I mean, before there's even been a plan to look at, there's really no appetite from the provinces, or at least some of them, right? Same with childcare. The Jason Kenney conservatives in Alberta, no thanks. They don't want Ottawa telling them what to do. For them, optically, it's an issue, right? They're not going to be the little brother. They're just not going to be. I like that Scott pushes us there. We want to get in, uh, and, and let me remind you quickly that we do keep an eye on our hashtag through the show, Real Talk RJ. It's powered by the team at Park Power, and, and we're going to get into some interesting information in just a second. But the team at Park Power right now, the internet, electricity, and natural gas game is what they've been doing for coming up on a decade. The reason why we reached out to them, most of our sponsors have come to us. We reached out to Park Power. I couldn't ignore them on Instagram. I couldn't ignore their Twitter. I was like, this is a brand I want. We align. Our values align. And they are so present in their community. 10% of their profits go to nonprofits. They support the arts. You have to give them a follow. This is like one of the only power companies that spends a whole bunch of its time telling you how to use less power, how to spend less money on your power bill. If you use the promo code 2021-REALTALK at parkpower.ca, they're going to knock 70 bucks off your first bill, commercial, residential, whatever. 2021-REALTALK at parkpower.ca. We had more than 800 people fill out our question of the week uh, this past week. If you are one of our Patreon subscribers, thank you to those of you that are. You've already on Monday, late Sunday night, you received uh, the question of the week, the top line report from the team at Y Station. It's typically, what was it this week, Sam? It was like 17 pages or something like that. It's typically like 14 to 18 it's a pages. a lot of data to go through. It's super yeah. cool. It is. It's um, very cool. This is like a, this is a professional team. They're our official research and strategy partner. They sift through this. This week, we had 801 questions completed. Thank you. I remember thinking when we launched the show, I was like, if we could get 500 people a week, that would just be unbelievable. Um, you know, you hear like pollsters like Angus Reid or Ipsos, and they'll say the national federal polls, they'll talk to 1,000 or 1,500 people. Our top poll, our top question of the week, 4,200 people filled it out. Unbelievable. So the data is really telling. I mean, these, you know, 800 people. Here's what they think. You can find the question of the week. We encourage you to touch on this week's edition uh, via RyanJesperson.com. It's right at the top of the page. We're asking you about money in politics, Ooh, donations and advertising and dark money. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the results of that one. But this past one, we asked you about child care. We asked you about the federal plan. We asked you if you think it's a fit, if it's the federal government's role, what you'd like to see your provincial government do if you're tuning in from somewhere in Canada. Really interesting results. Sam, why don't we get into some of the real highlights? These are the ones that have been curated by the team at Y Station. Look at this, Sarah, 91% of Real Talk listeners believe that Canada needs to invest more in early childhood learning programs. Uh, 91% of Real Talk listeners are in favor of the $10 a day childcare program. And look at this, 94% of Real Talk listeners support subsidized childcare spaces. So an even higher number, I mean, virtually pretty same, nine out of 10 people for all intents and purposes on all those fronts. But 91% like the plan, 94% support subsidizing spaces, which to me is pretty interesting to note because it's not 94% support putting more money in parents' pockets, per se. They support supporting spaces. And there's hmm. a big difference there, right? Yeah. Big difference I'm there. I'm glad that you pointed that out because I, I just was like, oh, they're one and the same. But I'm not very much not. I'm not smart enough to figure these things out on my own. 
Like we had Ann Castleman on the show. She's a contrib- great journalist, a contributor to The Walrus. Uh, we had Heidi Bergstrom, who's an audience member. She happens to be an accountant. So when she talks about dollars and cents, there's there's more credibility than if I was. I mean, geez. Uh, <laughs> but she's also a mom. And so she came at it from kind of a two-pronged approach. We had a great conversation. When was that, Sam? Was that like two months ago, I bet? That was, people, like, that was like in the first Was that in the real first talk. Yeah. yeah So people can check our archive You can of course Subscribe to us on YouTube hey, By the way It's so annoying To be stuck at 7.96 thousand subscribers On YouTube Can you guys just Push us past 8 For Pete's sake Can you push us past 8 We've got champagne Sitting here in the Ready to go at 8,000 And we're just sitting And Sam Sam can't He's just locked He's just Eyes are just on the bottle All morning I'm like Sam Will you chill out Will you t- We just Just push us past 8 Will you when we asked if you had children that used or could have used childcare, 63% of our audience members said yes. 37% said no. That that sort of sets the stage for for exactly the type of, of um, you know, uh, for who's chiming in on this. Um, do you believe Canada needs to invest more in early learning programs? 91% answered the question in the form of yes, we're not setting our kids up enough for success, which was really interesting. How about this? Only 4% of real talk audience members feel that they should not subsidize other people's daycare and child rearing costs. I was saying every time that I have a conversation, not every time, that's not true. Many times when I've hosted conversations around childcare and subsidized childcare, a $25 a day pilot or a $10 a day program, you hear from people or a few people uh, that will say it is not if you can't afford to have kids don't have kids or it's not my job to pay for your kids and of course there's quick ways to smack those comments down like it's not my job to pay for your diabetes treatment or it's not my job to pay for your car accident it's not my job to pay for your burning building or it's not my i mean if we really want to go hardcore for we your really, trash or your trash or your clean water or like whatever yeah. Yeah. If, you, if you really want to go nuclear on who's not paying for what for anybody else then let's blow this whole thing up yeah. it, can, it can be every person for themselves and let's see how well that works out but four percent feel they should not be subsidizing other people's daycare and child rearing costs that is a negligible percentage right and i mean myself i'm i do not have children but i am still all in i say yes because when we look at paying for child care it's not just about those kids in those rooms it's about the parents that are then able to go to work and if we are you know so focused on the economy then they are actually part of driving the economy forward we're also looking at um you know lowering decreasing birth rates and that has economic implications but if we're wanting to attract people to these places like Canada, like Alberta, then there needs to be systems and services in place to attract people. It's not just about like some high flying, high paying job. It's about what are the amenities? What are the resources? What are the services that make a, a life worth living and want you to have your family and build a life here? Yeah, we uh, we always uh, Sam and I often say like I don't know if you're like me when we get the the top line report right before we send it out to our Patreon subscribers I always I, I scroll I look for some of the sort of high level stats like what's that one stat that jumps out to me it's either 94 percent of this audience or at least those that chimed in 800 plus 94 uh, percent uh, support 
subsidizing childcare spaces or 4% don't. Those those are the two numbers that kind of jump out at me. But what I do is I always scroll to the very end of the top line report because that's where we get to see the comments. We just leave you some blank space. Some of you don't answer anything at all. You quickly click through. The question of the week takes you 60 seconds. We love it. Thanks for doing it. Others of you really put some thought into it. So we ask, what do you think are the most important benefits of the program? One says it actually provides women with both pathways out of poverty and appropriate opportunities to participate in the workforce. Uh, another says allowing affordable childcare helps the economy in the long run. I don't have kids, but I would gladly, I do gladly pay taxes to help folks in need. The pandemic has shown the essential need for proper social systems for society to work. That wasn't me that wrote that. Just so everyone is Are you clear. reading the top line report? <laughs> I wasn't, but I. whoever this is. Sarah's like, I have some very well curated opinions yeah. on this. I'll just read from page 13. I mean, I could probably echo that opinion, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, child care is a no brainer. Another says lessen the burden of child care for most people. I would love for our expenses every month to be less than my mortgage payment, please. Mm. Another says Alberta's pilot program, 25 bucks a day, was astoundingly successful at reducing yes. child poverty. Um, experts, um, not political parties, experts have said that it cut child poverty instances in Alberta by half. Uh, it only had a very limited deployment. We have parents who have pursued an education and can't use it because they can't afford childcare. Sam? Yeah, oh, one thing I was also just uh, chewing on, and this is kind of to double down on, on Sarah's last point, talking about the economic benefits of childcare, is like, I think everybody needs to remember that there's there's two waves of economic benefits. There's the immediate ones because the parents can be in the workforce, they're supported at home, they have like their children are taken care of, they're well-educated. And then 20-ish years down the road, we now have this uh, new generation entering the workforce that got a really, really good educational head start. So, you know, we get the payoff more than once if we invest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm trying to go back and forth between our top line report, what our what our uh, audience members told us on the question of the week and what they're saying in the live chat. You know, I mean, th- these are great comments. I mean, Tiana's echoing many of the other comments. She's echoing you, Sarah. She says, I don't have kids. I don't plan on it. And I absolutely support helping mm. people get quality funded care. It's good for a family's economics, moms and and maybe to a lesser degree, dads as well. Jess says, I definitely would have considered having another kid if we had subsidized care. <laughs> Jess pays two thousand dollars a month right now, says it is so much. Ouch. Ouch. Two thousand dollars a month. Like Dwayne says there are people in Alberta that don't even know what socialism even is, yeah. yet they use things that are associated with socialism. Um, don't even get me started, Dwayne. Don't even <laughs> get me started. Don't even get me started on people that don't. Uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> he started. Like, no, I just have so many things, but they're all rude. Mm. They're all they're all rude. And I shouldn't be rude. I just shouldn't be. But like. And it's going it's to make me sound like a prick. I'm just going to say it. The show is called Real Talk. Like I had a promotional partnership for many years with Mercedes Benz. OK, and it meant that I got to drive a, a stunningly beautiful Mercedes Benz AMG around town all the time. They swapped them out in the summer. I had a convertible in the winter. I had an SUV. It was like, as you can imagine, did not suck. <laughs> there are many things you can criticize me on. One of them might be he's lost touch with reality. He thinks he's hot shit. He's driving around in this Mercedes. You can definitely say all that. What I especially loved was the guy who's walking through a crosswalk. This actually really happened. Walking through a crosswalk. He sees me through the windshield. He recognizes me and he says, communist. And I'm like, I'm driving a $120,000 sports car right now. It's not mine, to be clear. And I realize this makes me sound like a real prick, but like communist. There's a lot of things you can call me. Communist does not fit the scenario, bro. 
I digress. Social studies is very important. <laughs> Curriculum is very important. Very important. I am many things. I am not a communist. I appreciate this comment. Listener says, uh, one of the biggest reasons I advocate for subsidized childcare is the evidence that it sets up underprivileged kids for success equal to that of white university educated families. It's a huge step toward removing systemic racism and it helps end child poverty, it makes it way easier for people to leave abusive situations. That's a huge comment. That is a huge comment. I mean, that wasn't even on my radar. Another says daycare is a money-making business needs to be treated as an essential service and regulated. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just dangerous. It's really, really dangerous. If it's profit driven, it's really dangerous. Like safety of children, safety of the workers, the people that are actually staffing the place family. Like every- considering right now, we're also like massively having a huge conversation about the fact that long-term care is profit driven and yes. look at the effects of that. Yeah. That's a great point, Sam. You know, also, though, um, and I don't I don't uh, imply ever that every single audience member here is is from Alberta. We have a, a strong Western Canadian audience, obviously, but people are listening from different parts of the world. I will say in Alberta, there has been um, a real trend toward it's it's an it's an ideological and and real manifested trend toward privatization and capitalism yeah. and opportunity and the entrepreneurial spirit. And I will say I am not inherently against it. I think Albertans are better served with private liquor stores as an example than public ones. As an example, there's better selection. There's opportunity for people to have better customer service. The LCBO in Ontario or in BC, absolute disaster, um, or at least maybe not absolute disaster, but the customer is not served as well. That's one example. Okay, privatized registries would be another example. And some people right now are going to say, oh, there's been scandal behind the scenes on who's got permits and who's got the. And sure, absolutely. hundred percent. You know, nothing is without scummy underbellies, it seems, when politics are involved. But in Alberta, there's been a privatization has been the thing. Right. And, And I wonder how something like a provincially because you're not talking about a federal system. If you're in Alberta and you're talking about subsidized childcare, you're talking about a system that would be established and run by the provincial government. And Jason Kenney would say to that like hell, Mm. right? I mean, that's just a political reality. I'm sure Rachel Notley would love to take a crack at it. Maybe that's something that voters will speak up on in 2023. I, I can see this being something that could become a significant election issue on the next provincial election, as well as the next federal one, which will probably be sometime this year. Here's another counterpoint. Here's an interesting one. Um, one of the respondents to our question said a cheap per day or let's say inexpensive an inexpensive per day daycare does not support multi-generational or extended families who choose family members to provide child care. It does not support parents, primarily moms, who take years off from their careers to focus on raising kids themselves without relying on external child care. It's not flexible for those who work more challenging schedules for shift workers. It also does not level the playing field for disadvantaged kids if you offer it to everyone. So I might take issue with a couple of those assertions. I don't need to argue with everything. I'm just going to let that one sit there. So that's an interesting point as well. Appreciate that. And then, of course, a lot of people shared their hilarious childcare and babysitting stories, which you'll be able to read if you support our Patreon. And thanks to everybody that does that. 
We want to remind you, of course, that our question of the week this week's is ready to go right now. You check out RyanJesperson.com. And as mentioned, it touches on some of the trends we've seen in political fundraising. The most recent quarterly fundraising reports out of Elections Alberta shows that the Alberta NDP raised just under $1.2 million outraising the government, the United Conservative Party, by two to one. However, federal conservatives broke a record bringing in eight and a half million bucks outraising the governing liberals. Isn't that interesting? A lot of discussion around a federal election coming soon. We want to know, does money in politics really matter that much to you? We're talking about donations. What drives your decision to donate? What you'd like to see parties spend money on? What turns you off? And what you think about dark money? Uh, please take a few minutes today, tomorrow, before the Y Station team starts to get into the data on Sunday. You can answer that at ryanjesperson.com. The team at Clean Air Club wants to remind you, you can save money and breathe easy at the same time. Speaking of steps you can take that take you less than a minute, cleanairclub.ca right now is where you can sign up. You let them know the size of furnace filter you need. The next thing you know, they've got them packaged up and delivered to your door, and you're going to pay less than you would in store. So why wouldn't you do? it right now is a great time to swap out your furnace filter if it's been a number of months if you don't remember the last time you changed your furnace filter it's time you can sign up save money and breathe easy at cleanairclub.ca also wanted to remind you that our friends at grand dog essentials quality raw food are delivering to doorsteps in edmonton calgary and central alberta including real talk customers and two out of three real talk staffers how about that samuel g brooks what are you doing? What are you waiting <laughs> I've for? I've looked into it. Samuel G. Brooks. We're going to talk to you more about the, yeah. the supplements that they have. That's where we've seen the payoff with our dogs, Moses and Monroe. The supplements we're adding to their food. They have a team of nutritionists. They love to work with you one-on-one. They know your dogs are family. And if you use the promo code REALTALK at granddog.ca, they're going to knock 10% off your first order. The team at Local Waste loves to talk trash, and they love to have a lot of fun with us as we wrap up our show every single Friday, of course, as the presenting sponsors of Trash Talk. But it's not all boom and bluster with these guys. In fact, integrity is one of their core values. They love to talk to their customers. Personal relationships are what they're all about. They start small with small businesses, and they grow their services for you as your business grows. They're never going to sell you something you don't need. There's no BS Another one of their core values, by the way, it actually says no BS on the poster on the wall. I've seen it. Localwaste.ca is where you'll find them. Mikel, Lauren, Chris, and the team. Every Friday, the team at Local Waste also presents a little something we call Trash Talk. Oh, yeah, Hoyles, throw it up there. It's time to get into this. Blake sent this in to talk at RyanJesperson.com. Says, I wish I was dumb. I wish I could see the world through a small tunnel of ignorance. I wish I could see medical professionals and scientists busting their asses over a deadly virus and think, oh, it only affects a small number of people. I wish I could hear about people getting sick from it and think, well, it's nobody I know. I wish I could hear from people dying and, and think, well, they probably had underlying conditions or had already lived long enough. I wish I could look at a tiny inconvenient rule of wearing a mask in public places and think that does nothing. I'm special. I wish I could look at restrictions and think that goes against my freedoms without ever thinking of the big picture. I really wish I was dumb. That from Blake. Not dumb. 
This one from Brenda, who says every critical care unit staffed with a multidisciplinary team of nurses, respiratory therapists, physicians, and pharmacists. Every individual has taken specialized training to take care of critically ill patients and work as part of the team. They've been doing it for months. I don't understand why people won't give doctors a break. All I hear is, I want my rights. What if doctors whined? I have no formal agreement with the province and shut down. Think about what doctors are doing. Treat them with respect, says Brenda. I am sick of wine, wine, wine. This one from Tracy, who says this is not meant to disparage hairdressers or the work they do. The other day I sat in a hair salon and I watched people put themselves in the hands of some pretty talented stylists. Nobody was questioning what they were doing in the back room, mixing up chemicals to turn hair colors. Heck, they didn't even ask what was in the shampoo. They just trusted their stylists. And the same people were sitting in these chairs telling everybody that would listen that vaccines aren't safe, right? I won't be anybody's guinea pig. The government is lying to us. Masks don't work. Tracy says, I guess they saw a YouTube video or maybe read it on Facebook. They trust their hairdresser with chemical mixes applied to their skulls. But because a scientist with 30 years of experience isn't enough when it comes to credibility, they can't be trusted because you've done your own research. Not one person walked into the salon that day, said they saw a YouTube video about hair color and demanded it be done differently. Things that make you go, hmm. From Tracy! What about this from Randy, who says to the MLAs, the 17 of you that signed the anti-public health restrictions, your actions in sending this letter to the public, foolish and dangerous. How dare you undermine unnecessary public measures at a critical time? You are anti-science. You have embarrassed us. Resign! That from Randy. What about this one from Nathan? I'm a 20-year-old post-secondary student, he says, and I am done. This provincial government, corporate buddies, they've forgotten about young people. Says, I was at the opening of the new science building at the University of Lethbridge in 2019. You notice how the students welcomed Premier then with booze. You're showing up at a post-secondary institution, cutting the ribbon of a building you didn't even pay for, slashing funding even worse in the midst of a global pandemic, making it even tougher to attend classes even online. Unacceptable. You need to stand up and be a proper leader. How many more people are we going to lose before you get your head out of your and start doing things the right way says nathan i love the show and i always listen when i can hey nathan good luck with the studies and this one finally from wendy a shout out to all you mamas out there as we observe mother's day this weekend wendy says today is the first day of homeschooling alberta's k-6 schools at least for those of us lucky enough to not be isolating many parents now suddenly juggling work in school oh wait not all parents it's moms sure the odd dad here or there doing his bit but it's mostly moms happy freaking mother's day alberta that from wendy in edmonton Who wraps up, by the way, with a big swipe. Hey, Ryan, how will you balance the challenge of working full-time and teaching your kid? Or is that mom's job to figure out? Hey, my kind-hearted trash talk right back at you, Wendy, is we're a team. My wife's a rock star, and she calls the shots as our family manager. And I'm lucky to have her at home with Wyatt while I'm here with you. Much love, everybody. Have a great weekend. Happy Mother's Day. And we'll talk to you live Monday morning.